It's okay to eat. We're a few minutes early. I just thought I'd call and get us going. Okay. I guess I forgot to tell Death Row. Oh, there he is. Good. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, talking to Catherine, putting my headset on. Playing with the new baby. What do you have? Me? No one has a baby. You have a puppy. <laughs> Stop a trying baby. to start rumors. <laughs> it's a puppy. Puppies are babies. No, th- we're borrowing a dog. I was going, like, baby, what? Like, <laughs> what's going on? No, they can't. Yeah, no, we are borrowing one. For what? Well, Catherine's father is in California for, on business, and Catherine's mom had a meeting tonight, so they asked us to dog sit. So you're dog sitting, you're not borrowing one. Well, we are. We're borrowing him because we are dog sitting at our house. Yeah. That works. So, give me a couple of seconds here. I need to relocate. Because no um, Trish is just putting Alric to bed. We're not doing anything big. We're just... Oh, so it's not going to be the Sue Death and Cat show this week? No, we get we get Trisha. I don't know if she's even read the right chapters, because I keep forgetting to keep her in the loop. But she said she's here. Hi, Alex. Yay. Hi, Alex. And I have Jen, too. I love the conversation that Death and I had today. Mm-hmm. Uh. We got very in-depth about gang movements. You got very in-depth about what? Gang movements. Okay. Okay, I'm back. That was um, interesting sounds, Deathrow. I thought I muted it. You didn't. Nope. Sorry. It's okay. It just made me giggle. I hope we're recording it so I can hear what made you giggle. Okay. It was kind of like a, oh, yeah. So. <laughs> Please don't oh, record I said, me. Oh. I think I said okay. <laughs> Are we recording? Because I really don't want to hear me eating. Oh, well, you're no fun. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, well, I will tell you about my beer for tonight. It is Ooh. a, uh, well, let me get the info from Wormtown. But it caught my eye immediately because it was entitled River Rat Pale Ale. And the river rat race is something that happens in the town I grew up in. Nice. Mm. Let's see. I'm not feeling that hot tonight, so I'm definitely not drinking. Okay, they don't have it listed on the page, so I can't tell you about it, but it's quite hoppy. Mm, Nice. I say that like I like beer, but I like hops. I suppose I do like hops. I suppose I could add whiskey to my uh, giant Diet Coke over here. So what kind of puppy is it? It's Rusty, the Red Poodle. Okay. That's what I was trying to figure out. So Rusty was never your guys's. I thought he was. Oh, no, no. Never has been. No. It's Catherine's family dog. Okay. I was just confused. Is Rusty enjoying himself? He is. Is he terrorizing the birds? No, no. Thankfully, they are safely in the cage. But is he is he still terrorizing the birds? Is he barking at them stuff? No, no, he's pretty good. He wants to play. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not terrorize or. Well, eat. you you do have a very large yard. Yes, we do, and I ran him around out there for a couple hours today, and boy, am I exhausted. <laughs> him, not so much, but. <laughs> no, they they're hard to exhaust. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's out sleeping in the grass. I'm sure she'll come and bother us later. 
According to my battery indicator, I have three hours, 37 minutes. Okay. So this is very good. Alex came by and dropped flowers on my computer for me. That was very nice of him. Pounter. Playing in the wisteria. Oh, I just heard Pounter. She's been hiding all day. Well, my mom said the other day that she hasn't seen the wild mama cat. And there's something dead down in the barn. So this morning I was like, I bet it's mama that's dead down in the barn. Because she's old. Yeah, so I was going to leave a note for mom and say, I bet you I know what happened to mama cat. But she came and asked for food tonight. So she's not dead. Good. We like things that are not dead. (laughs) We do. Should I tell my my fire story? Oh, yay, fire. I was coming home from work yesterday. And, of course, both of you have heard this. So it makes it less you know, dramatic, but I was coming home from work yesterday and there were police cars in the lane. And so I moved over so I wouldn't be in the lane closest to the police cars. And I realized in front of the police cars were fire trucks. And then I realized that there were lots of fire trucks and that I was passing my friend's house who's Mm -hmm. who I'd gone to dinner with the night before. And I thought, Oh no. And I, you know, I couldn't do much because there was traffic all around me and they were slowing and stopping and I couldn't take my eyes off the car in front of me without hitting it. But I was able to notice that there were fire trucks in my friend's driveway and there was a big hose and water pouring down her drive. And I thought, oh no. So I pulled into the next available parking place along the highway and called her, but my cell phone wouldn't go through. And I rushed home and said, and called and I said, are you okay? And she said, yes, it's my neighbor's house. And I was like, Good. And then I felt really bad because I thought, good, but I was worried I was going to have to go back and pick up my friend and her dog and her two cats and bring them to my house. And it turned out that it was the the neighbor couple who are older and they have this little dog and she went over and he was out, I guess, like putting out a grass fire at the front of his house, thinking that he was putting out the fire while the back of his house burned. And she actually went around and and saw how bad it was and came back and took his hose away and said, the fire department's on their way. Where's your dog? And he said, he's in the house. He's fine. And she's like, no, he's not fine. You need to get him out of the house. And he's like, no, no, he's safe in there. And she talked him into letting her go open the front door to let the dog out. And she, she said, I knew I shouldn't open the door, but I couldn't leave the dog in the house. So she flung open the door and jumped back in case flames shot at her because, you know, you should never open a, a door mm-hmm. like that. And she said the house was just full of black smoke, just like in the movies. But the dog came yapping out at her and she's like, oh, good, he's out. And he turned around and went back in and she's like, oh, this is won't do. And she called him and when he came out, she grabbed him up. He was a little dog and he growled and barked and was really mad that she picked him up. But she said, no. Yeah. And she took him home and put him in her house with her dog and her dog likes to herd little dogs. Yeah. So Savannah just herded the little dog around the house for the next four or five hours until. Wait, 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 wait. What kind of dog is Savannah? Savannah is a husky, maybe collie mix. Because cause Savannah was was our poodle's name. Oh, no. She's a husky mix. Okay. And I, I don't a, know what the other dog was. I have a quick question. Can you hear the giant fan behind me? No. I don't think so. Okay. Then my mic is not sensitive enough to turn that to pick that up, which means that I won't have to, you know, die. melt, melt and die. No, but yeah, my my uh, our Savannah used to do that too. She was a bit of a mama dog and would would herd animals around 
that were smaller than her, mm-hmm. including the chipmunks. <laughs> they were very scared of her. Her name, her actual name was Divine Decadence de Motif. She was an ex-show dog. Wow, nice. I like poodles. They're barky, though. The big ones aren't so much. Oh, I don't know. Some of them are. Rusty barks, but he's not a yapper. I approve of this. Of not non-yappy dogs? Yes. I, pr- I approve of non-yappy me, dogs, me too. too. They're annoying. We get ready to welcome Trisha to the call. <laughs> it's no longer just us. Yay. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners are tired of listening to me, Death and Sue, for the last, like, what was it, three episodes? It's been a while, three or four. Yeah. Um, Trisha, there she is. Hey, Trisha. Hello. Hello. There you are. You sound like you're on the laptop microphone, though. Yeah, I think you have to change your settings. You don't have a laptop. <laughs> well, that's what it sounds like. You sound like how you're how down do on... Change, how do I change my settings? I'm not sure, so, but... You do know. you have a Mac or a PC? PC. Hello, I'm a Mac, and I'm a PC. And just what? to shake things up a little more... Ready, introducing... Jen! Jen! Yay. Hi. Hey, hey Jen. Jen. How is everybody? Fabulous. How are you? Pretty good. I've got a kid here, so it could be interesting here in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> is he going to want some apple juice? <laughs> oh, gosh. That is a constant thing. And I don't know how to teach him that apple juice doesn't mean liquid. Apple juice is for <laughs> any kind of drink. <laughs> Jen, when we were kids, me and my brother would say, say key for everything, meaning kitty. Uh, so, I oh, mean. It, it's so, you're saying that he will outgrow it, which is good. Yeah. That's promising. No, it's, I mean, my brother especially would, you know, we used to call cars key and like people in the, the grocery store were key. And it was, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's the one word that you know. So, you, you know, everything is that. <laughs> look at mommy, look at the word I know. She still calls everything key. I think you're in trouble. <laughs> oh, no. Well, my well, name is Cat, so there's <laughs> compelling for that. Okay, well, I have to tell you what's going on at the moment. It's just hilarious to me. And y'all may, I don't know. Okay, my mom, my I, we live five houses down from my parents. And Probably. my mom, so we, we're real close, you know, and it's a good thing. We like it. And, um, so my mother has decided to go for a walk, right? So instead of taking Lee with her, they're they're FaceTiming. It's like Lee's holding my phone watching my mother take a walk. Oh, no. And I like and she won't I take mean, him with her. That's terrible. She's been on antibiotics, you know, since Friday, but she's still like I'm going to stay away for a week, so that's why. But Okay. It's pretty funny to me. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. Walks, with, walks for the new generation. I'll just sit here and watch you take a walk. <laughs> Great exercise of that. Yeah. Well, she's like, here's a tree. I mean, she's showing him, like, here's a tree and here's a bird and here's some sticks. But still, I was greatly amused. Uh, I don't blame you. <laughs> Not at all. Well, I don't want to keep y'all from podcasting. I just wanted to say hi. Well, we appreciate that you stopped by to say hi. Hi! Oh, what? Hi! hi. 
Yes. He paused the camera. Oh, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) And we have Jen's mom on the podcast, too. Yay! Yes. Lee just came in, and he has a huge picture of a pile of cheese that I made for dinner. (laughs) He put my mom on pause. (laughs) So he's like, I'd rather stare at cheese pile. Who are you talking to? Oh, my podcast friends. I was just saying hi for a minute. All right. Well, I will say goodbye then, guys, because I've got to go deal with my three-year-old. Have fun, Jen. Thanks for saying hi. Bye. Y'all have a good one. Bye. 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 Yeah, that's my friends. Bye. Yep, Sam, can you say bye, friends? Bye, friends. We talk to you, you come back. Yeah, we'll talk to you later. You come back. <laughs> I'll come back now, you hear? Bye. Bye. Bye, Lee. Bye, Lee. Are you eating, Bye. Trisha? Yeah, I am. I'm starving. It's okay. It's okay. I was like two minutes ago. I just blew my calorie count today. Trisha, so. you're back. Yeah. We've missed you. I missed you guys, too. And you have a story? Oh, okay. Which one? You ran in a marathon and broke your foot. Well, I thought I did. Okay. It was the marathon from hell. It was very pleasant on the beginning. It was cool. I Honestly, it was kind of like kind of cold and everything. About mile six, it turned to 85 degrees. Mm. Oh, Lord. Needless to say, I was hot. Very hot. And very miserable. And my foot started to hurt. I didn't understand why my foot was starting to hurt. And then I came to a water station, and they had no cups. Oh. And so these poor runners, they're cupping their hands and going, Please, sir, can I have some more? (laughs) And I'm just going, Are you kidding me? This is nuts. I had a little water bottle. I had a little water fuel belt. I had water bottles. I filled that up six times. Wow. Including, not even including the water that I already had in there. I hate Gatorade, especially lemon Gatorade, the lemon lime Gatorade, the original stuff. I was Me drink- too. Oh, it's just nasty. I was drinking that too. And the gingerbread man came to visit me. Oh, nice. Yes. Do you well, know, I the- know what that means? I'm not sure anybody else here knows what that means, but I know what that means now. <laughs> okay, well, we'll educate you of the gingerbread man. Do you know what the gingerbread man is, Jethro? No. Okay. You know the story. Run, run, yes. as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. Yep. Well, it happens to runners a lot, and they get diarrhea. <laughs> and that's the gingerbread man. And you always want to go to the bathroom beforehand. So my past runs before the marathon, the gingerbread man came and visited me every single run. It didn't matter if it was a mile run or, or a 10-mile run. The gingerbread man came and visited me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get ahead of this. And I'm not going to eat any fo- any more extra fiber than I can, than I have to. Mile 10, it hit me. Well, it hit me like mile 6. Or no, sorry. No, like mile 7, mile 8. When my foot started hurting, and I'm like, crap, I need to go. Literally, crap, I have to go to the bathroom. Every single Porter John had a line. I'm like, okay, mile 10. I'm running up East Carson Street. going, yeah, <laughs> there's a Porter John and there's no line. So I get into the Porter John, put and I'm getting my stuff put up again and I stood up and I started to sway. Ooh. I'm going I'm going to pass out. I'm like I gotta get the hell out of this Porter John because I don't, I'm gonna, gonna get stuck here. <laughs> the damn Porter John and no one's gonna find me. <laughs> so I get out there's another water station and 
people are just taking the gallon jug. The runners are taking gallon jugs from from the from the volunteers because there is no cups, and just taking the gallon jugs and just chugging water, Gatorade, anything they can get in. So How I'm they running. Not have cups. They ran out because it got so damn hot that the other runners okay. ahead of us took all the cups and they were drinking it. I mean, it's, it just happens. It, it, it's it's it was just bad. Okay. And so I'm running down Carson Street, and this guy's going, "I'll give you the dollar if you finish the race." I looked at him like, "Hell, I'll take the damn dollar." And so I took the dollar, stuffed it in my sports bra, and kept running. <laughs> Uh, Trisha, we've missed you. Yeah, so it, it wasn't so. No, it just was not a plus. It just wasn't. I was not a happy camper. Mm-hmm. I was just absolutely miserable. I got down. Uh, I see my boyfriend, and I am, as he would say, Tammy is out. He calls me Tammy Tuffins when I get pissy and cranky and stuff like that. He's like, "Oh, Tammy's out." And I'm like, "Shut up, Trisha. <laughs> adjust your mic." Again. You're turning into Hurricane Trisha. Oh, okay. How's that? Better. Better. All right, hold on. So I'm like all grumpy and sore and my foot is hurting and stuff like that. So we get home. Ah. What? You're breathing into the mic again. You're in the hurricane again. (laughs) Move it up away from your mouth and if it's not coming through loud enough, turn up the sensitivity a bit because the problem is the breathing going across the microphone. Okay, how about now? Not going? Better? How's your candy bar? <laughs> it's a scone. It's a what? It's a scone. A scone, okay. Yay. You I'm made like, it, and the foot that you thought might have a hairline fracture doesn't. It's just it's, a bad bruise. It's, it's just a bad bruise, yeah. That's but cool. I've oh, never good. seen so many people with IVs in them. Oh, I just, bet. Oh, it, I mean, I think they had over 60 people go to the hospital. That's during the race. Nothing, including after the race. Yeah, being dehydrated, and over three hundred people didn't even finish. Wow, that's doing yeah, that annual marathon. I was just looking up the statistics, the statistics for the two thousand seven Chicago Marathon because the temperatures uh, sounded familiar. Like it was like maybe eighty seven the year that year. And, like, four people died, and there was, like, all this calamity because they weren't expecting weather like that in October. But, yeah, I mean, weather, you know, 85-degree weather on a marathon day is dangerous. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, but the thing is, it went up so quickly, it was unreal. Yeah. So, I'm proud of you for not passing out. Oh, yeah. In the portage on. That would have been bad. What did you spend your dollar on? I can't remember. Water. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I was just I was just so miserable, and then I didn't realize the reason why I was even more miserable now is I was get I was almost dehydrated myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and he's a first responder. <laughs> he's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, I didn't put two and two together. He goes, but every time you do a race, you're such a bitch. <laughs> Because I just chucked it up to that. Aww. Aww. You made good time, too. I saw it on your Facebook wall. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, Trisha, just to let you know, because we've kind of screwed up the stuff lately, we're starting on Chapter 51. All right, good, because I haven't read a damn thing. (laughs) 
No worries. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, what just happened? Well, that was her going on mute sound, but that was... Oh, weird. I wasn't on mute! No, but that was the sound it made. I don't know. That was weird. That was almost like the boomerang sound. So, you know... You know what? I I put on the the setting things to check my microphone and put in my um oh. my sensitivity. Uh, okay. I don't know. That sounds weird. It was funky, but that's cool. It is. It's great. I'm reminded of the one. Bzz, ah! I love that effect. I use that every once in a while. It's great. <laughs> it's always fun to electrocute Ryan. Yes, it is. It's almost 9.30. Do we want to get started? I suppose we should. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Yeah, I'm training again, so I'd like to um, some kind of... Get to bed at some sort of reasonable hour? Yes, please. Okay. Hey, Ron. The next time. Previously on Potterfic Weekly. Where would you like to start, Sue? Well, let's start at the beginning. <laughs> that would be awesome. My resolutions for this Potterfic Weekly season is not to snort. Welcome to Potterfic Whatever. Oh, Scott. Did we, did we lose Scott? <laughs> okay, what did I miss? <laughs> Am I surrounded by Hufflepuffs? You yes, are. you are. Yes, you are. Apparently, I'm Jen, and I don't know my outfit. <laughs> No, she's the poster child for our podcast. Shit. <laughs> I snort. I think I need more meds. My meds have kicked in, I can tell. Sure. <laughs> I think that's two. That could possibly be three. Moving right along. I felt like a rock star. Just really big knickers. Pants are your underpants. Not oh. Browsers. Waterfic Weekly, defining strange terms for your edification. <laughs> but I was planning on getting grammar anytime soon. Really, honestly. Saxon Snorkax, two of my favorite subjects. I love Snake. You are quite possibly clinically insane. In the nicest sense of the word, of course. <laughs> we we'll always laugh before the end. Waterfic Weekly. Where the story never ends. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Potterfic Weekly. I'm Sue. I'm Deathrill. I'm Cat. I'm Trisha. And I am Ambassador Malari of the House Malari. Okay, Ambassador, would you like to tell us what fic we're reading? We are reading what? Vox Caporis, which is by Misanthropic. And tonight we'll be covering chapters 51 to wherever we stop, and somewhere around 59 is where I stopped tonight. And Trisha has no idea what's going on. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm doesn't. just going to go through this, like, yeah. Like, like it's a, all this is a very strange place for you to be starting the fic. Tis. Yeah, near the middle. Or near the end. Near the end. Near the so, end. So, basically, Harry and Hermione are in a relationship. Harry and Hermione are... No. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they are both um, Animanje. He is a Black Panther and she is a lioness with a mane. <laughs> and they are spending Christmas with her family at her grandmother's house. So she's a shim? Uh, no. Grandma she's gave 
Harry. We, we discussed that previously. The female lioness can sometimes have a mane, and we determined that it's meant to be reflective of her bushy hair. Yes. <laughs> can I just say, <laughs> Hermione, uh, Her, Harry's form is a black panther. <laughs> Harry is not a black panther. <laughs> oh, sure he is. And, wow. um, Especially funny. in these chapters. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, let's see. To summarize it? so far, um, right after Harry got back from the graveyard, he was basically having a complete emotional breakdown. He reached out to Hermione. They had sex. They spent the summer together. Yeah. They didn't talk about having sex. And they got to be really good friends. They started the Animagi training thing. Ron and the uh, the rest of the Weasleys went off to Romania for the summer. Uh, Ginny got interested in some of the dragon-handling blokes down there and started wearing her hair like some of the women did. Uh, We get back to school. Rumors are flying all over the place. Uh, Ron is listening to rumors and not his friends, and there's a bit of a big blow-up. But Ron grows up and comes around and he, st- he holds his temper and he listens and he looks to them for an explanation before he explodes, which is nice progression for his character. And yeah, does, uh, where we are. Yeah, it's great. Um, Can I just say, I, to- total- I totally forgot that Harry and Hermione had sex. <laughs> oh, so I'm just trying to get over that. It's like the only time in the entire story they do it, I think, so... Yeah, they and, only and, got I mean, together and, together a couple of chapters ago, and everyone... Was it in the room realized, of requirements? It was no, not. it was not. No. It was in Harry's bed in the dorm. They See, that, of, I told you that's why girls should not be going up there, because you know what? They're just as bad as the boys. Yep. Proof and point. So, yeah. it, it is very interesting that the security charm there is only on the stairs up to the girls' dorms. Yeah. When we ended the... Um, podcast last week they were having christmas at grandma's house and (laughs) what's so funny (laughs) the link in the chat oh no oh no what isn't that the spell you use with um uh, Tinker Toys? <laughs> God, it's just really weird to see Alan Rickman Snape smiling. Oh, it is kind of funny. I think even more than the wand pointing and stuff, that's what's disturbing me. It's the hand placement. That too. <laughs> and she's looking at him like Wait, he's laughing. He's not supposed to laugh. WTF, man. Okay. Gonna be one of those sorts of nights, it's I see. Gonna be one of those sorts of nights, apparently. I'm trying to tell this really sad thing. Cats sending porn. I don't know. It's not porn. I know, I'm just being a pain. It's a new windows. Uh, okay. Did everyone see Lucius in the Sky with Diamonds? Yes. Oh. I think I wanted to see that for some reason I got blocked or something. Aw. Very yeah. sad. Okay, so anyhow. So I think that basically summarizes 
uh, where we were. And in the last chapters of the last session, Dumbledore shows up at Grandma's house to tell them that there's been an attack at Privet Drive, Dudley is dead, and Harry says he wants to go express his condolences and visit Gringotts. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that, that suddenly occurred to him, but it did. Okay, well, yes, he visits so. Gringotts and wants to... Yeah. Okay, never mind. So, that's where we are. I can give you copies of my notes, if you would like. They're fairly yeah, snarky. Okay, wing it. Oh, yeah. Wing it. Love it. Wing it. We're just stepping in 50 chapters, and this is going to be fun. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. I'll be asking questions or going, just making rude suggestions. And maybe I'll make a prediction. Oh, that would be fun. You know what? I thought I found the Edgecombe episode the other day, and I was all excited. I was going to send you a Facebook message and say, I found Edgecombe, and it wasn't the right one. I still don't know where that one is. I I swear it got deleted out of the episode, and only the people that were in it know anything about Edgecombe, and nobody else does, because I can't find the dang thing. Good grief. I don't even remember the fic. No, me either. Okay, well... But anyhow, this fic... And point to whoever can find the fic that Edge comes in. Okay, yes. I'll give points for that. (laughs) Hufflepuffs, you're good finders, right? There you go. Hufflepuffs are particularly good finders. What the hell is a Hufflepuff? Yes. Get those Hufflepuffs out there. So Birdie, who is grandma for Trisha, didn't believe them when they told her that they were magic. Yeah, she hadn't been informed about magic previously, so this is all new and exciting for her. But now that Dumbledore said, pack up, I'm going to take you out of here, and they all arrive in the living room with luggage bulging, and he produces his wand and shrinks everything, she's like, okay, maybe I do believe you. And then they go into Kimmy, and Kimmy's the house elf. Kimmy is a house elf formerly belonging to the Dumbledore family, freed many years ago, faithful friend to Albus and Aberforth. And okay, that's just a little too nice and tidy for my taste. But and she can go she around and wear, muggle society because she's a chihuahua. She is an animagus herself, transforms into a dog, and she likes boxer shorts. Like no, Dobby likes socks. I've, I've complained on multiple occasions about Kimmy. Um, wait, uh-huh. Death Roll? Yes? I never thought of it that way. I just assumed that she just used her magic to transform herself. I never thought of her as being an Animagus. Yeah, I wouldn't say she's an Animagus. She helps them become Animagi. She does. Yeah, but... She helps Albus and Aberforth and Harry and Hermione. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I had but... just never thought of it that way before. I would argue against that, though, because house elf magic has been stated clearly multiple times in canon that it, that it's different than... Right. It is different from regular wizard magic. However, it is similar enough that, Her- uh, that Harry can be blamed for Dobby's hovering charm. Right. And we have never seen an instance of a house elf transforming their body. It's true. I don't know what I believe, but I think that's an interesting theory. I think, I think in, it's this, in this aspect, it's just let let the writer, let the author have it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you enjoy it because I just came up with it on the spot as I was summarizing. Okay, cool. So, Kimmy's been... Um, uh, I know, I'm sorry. Tinkling. I think I might need to go female. <laughs> Great. <laughs> 
I don't want to you close miss, the door. You missed me, haven't you? <laughs> We've missed you, Trisha, so much. I can't even tell you. Uh, well, at least she tells us, and it's not like Jen, who would just go on mute, go pee, or go to the store or something, come back. Oh, well. Uh, Jen, what do you think? Crickets. Crickets. I started to say something about Kimmy, but I, I've lost so it. Kimmy has a special house of her own that connects to via magic, and there's a little door in the closet that leads into her house, and you got to use magic to get in there. And she has a well, let me guess. Kimmy's also gay because she comes out of the closet. Cool. No. no. Her sexuality okay. is not addressed. Thankfully, we do not see her having a crush on Dobby or any other elf, for that or matter. Winky. Or Winky. So. Okay. Well, I was just thinking, because it's coming, it's Dumbledore coming out of the closet and all that other stuff. I was just, I was just, just putting yeah. it all. This is also This is also based on movie canon. Yes, mm-hmm. that is an important point. This is nominally based on movie canon, so Harry has blue eyes. And it was written, it's a fifth year story, but it was written after Half-Blood Prince. Hmm. Okay. okay. Uh, and Kimmy uh, is there so to protect I, Harry. Though I yes. argue that um, Hermione is based on book Hermione because Emma Watson looks, you know, like a superstar and Hermione is not that. Yes. Even We're there. dealing with Hermione, not Hormione. Right. Exactly. Okay. Next. Okay. So, so I the, forgot my next question. Never mind. We're going into Kimmy's portable home, mm-hmm. never away from home, and we're going to in there because she has a flu. There's no flu at Grandma's house. Right. And they are going to where are they going to Diagonal? They're going to Diagonally. Yes. They go to the Wizard Bank and have five minutes in there, and then they go to another public fireplace, and this connects to a wizard who lives right outside of Surrey, which is very unspecific. I had somebody tell me that that would be, like, outside of Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's a very big place. And then they walk towards Privet Drive. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. sorry. This is one of the little things that really, like, it's clear that she didn't do research because Surrey's freaking huge. Like, yes. you can't walk to, you know, Little Whinging is like a city within Surrey. Mm-hmm. And, like, I could see outside of Little Whinging, there'd be a wizard. But, like, out, like outside of Surrey, it's like saying that, hmm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to apparate to Chicago to get to Death Row's house. Yeah, well, let's kind of, okay, put in this aspect. Surrey is like a county yes. of England. And then Little Whinging is just part of a township mm-hmm. or a yes. city or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this author has made the same mistake that I have made before I was corrected on this. So I choose just to replace the word Surrey here in this paragraph with Little Whinging. Yep. That works. And that works. they go to the town and then they walk over a little bit. So it's not a big deal. It's just an inaccuracy. Mm-hmm. It is. They're and not going on a cross-country hike to get nope. to Little Whinging. No. And Harry can see the damage to the house um, before they get too far. There's black scorch marks. There's paint scorched and burnt. The grass is dead. The second As floor though is... a dementor had frolicked in the lawn and left decay in its wake. <laughs> and just picturing a dementor frolicking. It's, it's very wrong. Are they really? 
Frolic? That's, that's the text. They don't says. frolic. I wouldn't say they frolic. I don't yeah. want to see one frolic because that's going to be kind of scary. Mm-hmm. I do want to see one frolic. <laughs> well, you're just weird. That's why. <laughs> Look who's talking. Uh-huh. And so, it's fun to know one. But as they get closer, Harry's starting to think, oh, well, it doesn't look as bad. And, you know, I must, I, am I even on the right street? I think I'm on the wrong street because there's like fungus charms and all of that. And so they finally get. Yeah. It's closer. so different from what he recognizes. It's just amazingly violent here. And he's not sure that he's even on the right street or at the right end of the street or. Yeah. And... Cause there's a confundus charm there so that people are repelled when they get close so that the muggle cops aren't there to interfere and people mm-hmm. aren't there to interfere. Yep. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore so, waves his wand and everything is back to the way it was. And of course the aurors are like, I didn't think you'd bring the boy. Just like Harry wasn't standing there next to him. You know, the boy, the head auror who is not named. No. Right here. He who should not should be, or he should not be named. Yeah. <laughs> they're talking about the Dursleys, and they're so angry, and mm-hmm. they're inside. And do you really want to do this, Harry? Yes, I have to do this. No, you really don't. <laughs> yeah, really. I keep on thinking to myself, "Are you stupid? They're gonna be screaming at you, you dumbass, mm-hmm. or worse." Yeah. yeah. So Harry goes in and, you know, there's debris everywhere. There's glass all over the floor, burn marks, black in the white banister, the carpet's ripped, the pictures are smashed and missing. You know, it's just, it's hell. Right. And it's so far gone of Petunia's pristine house and Vernon's pristine yard that Harry's just kind of, I mean, he's got to be a little bit in shock. I know he wasn't there and stuff, but he's in a little bit of shock too. And he walks through the house and he finds, oh, I love this line. It smelled of fire and death and fear. Harry knew what each of those smelled like. And the house smelled like each in turn. Which is very, very powerful. Oh, yeah. And, you know, where did Head Dudley died? Would there be marks, a bloodstain? Residual image burned on the wallpaper like some victim of a magical Mount Vesuvius. Which just calls to mind the bit from... The movie where we see the expression of crab or goyle, I forget which one it is, on the wall there. Mm-hmm. And Vernon's in, you know, I want you lot out of my house. You've no right here. You're kind of the reason for my son's death. And Harry walks in to apologize. Mm-hmm. And Vernon punches him in the face. Yeah. yeah. And Aurora is trying to reason with them, which, as we know, is completely pointless. Mm-hmm. And they turn around and they see Harry and he's like, you! Actually, they don't even say anything. Petunia, simpering, looked up and her watery gaze fell on Harry. Instantly, her eyes widened and she wailed like a dying beast. Vernon's eyes snapped to Harry. His expression turned darker, violet, and murderous. Harry tries to speak and say he's sorry, but without a word, Vernon marches swiftly across the room and unceremoniously punches Harry in the face with his ham-like fist. And Harry just takes it. He does, because he feels like he deserves it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He thinks that he killed Dudley. <sighs> I'm sorry. This just ticks me off with Harry all the time. I know. I, it makes me mad that Harry pisses me off. I mean, mm-hmm. it's in. It's definitely in character, but it bothers me that no one ever stopped and said, 
we should probably teach Harry not to think this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It would be nice to see some growth in his character. Because, you know, the the whole, like, you know, everything's my fault and everything, everybody dies because of me thing. But is definitely... keep in mind... Keep in mind where in the timeline we are. This is fifth year. This is very, well, very in character for him. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm saying it extends definitely through year six and seven, but we're not seeing that. We're seeing the fifth year bit right now. So I don't I really have a problem with it. I just it, want to see it go somewhere else. I just think it's so. I, what I was saying is, I think it's so clever that she puts it here with the Dursleys because you can see little examples of how the Dursleys taught him that. Right. They blame him without question. They blame him. And you can just see that they always blamed him yeah, for everything that went wrong. Mm-hmm. And this is, Harry's blaming himself is not unfounded. And I find it so compelling that she put it here, back at the Dursleys, because if you put it at Hogwarts or at number 12 Grimmauld Place, even though that doesn't exist in this fic, if you put it somewhere else, it's just a, you know, the readers are going, oh, well, he's just having his Harry, you know, Harry has a saving people thing moment instead of this is, you know, foundational. This is backed yeah. up. We're seeing what the Dursleys here and they're casting the accusation of this is all your fault. And Vernon even says at one point, uh, I'll just read the whole thing, but you did. You killed him just as much as they did, you hideous little freak. We took you in, and this is what we get for our trouble. We should have smothered you the moment you turned up on our doorstep. Would have saved oh. us so much grief. Would have saved Dudley. Oh, yeah. Oh. And Hermione steps in and says, you wouldn't have dared. And he, Vernon replies, I nearly did, you bloody little wretch. But Petunia said, he's my sister's. Vernon, we can't just kill him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She thought we might be able to set him straight. Ha! Yeah. Would that your life had been traded for Dudley's, you worthless little shit. And he would in an instant. That, that's like the whole irony of the situation. is, He would, you know, if he could switch places with somebody who had died because of him, he would in an instant. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. much. But the thing is, though, from Vernon's point of view, he's right. If it wasn't for Harry being there, Dudley wouldn't have died they wouldn't have been attacked none of it it is all harry's fault it's true it really is i mean to a certain point you can step back from that and say it's voldemort's fault for attacking james and lily and making harry an orphan yeah you can say that but it's because harry is there it's because they took him in yeah it's dumbledore's fault for sending harry to the dursleys i mean it's it's pretty much everybody's fault but Harry in, in a lot of ways, because Harry had no control of where he was going to the Dursleys. I don't think if you asked Harry, the, you know, 18 months old, do you want to go to the Dursleys? Right. He would have, you know, been like, yeah, sure. Goo, Knowing what, goo, you goo, know. goo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Apple juice. Yeah, that's it. Apple juice. Apple, Apple juice. juice. So Harry stands up and he says, that's the last time you'll ever hit me. Uncle Vernon. Yeah. And Vernon's like, you're right, get out, never come back, you don't live here anymore. You're Consider yourself homeless and good riddance, you've been filth in this house from day one, I hope the people who did this find you, I hope you pay. Right. And all this time, which I kind of love, Dumbledore is like forcibly like struggling to keep Hermione back from mm-hmm. 
flaunting herself at Uncle Vernon, mm-hmm. who's, you know, easily four times her size. Well, I'm just glad that Dumbledore is here to see all of this and to see the hate in Vernon's eyes. Mm-hmm. And I really hope this leads into him admitting just how colossally he screwed up. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't think there's a sorry big enough for, for this. Oh, no. no and I really kind of hate the fix that have Dumbledore apologizing and then everything's okay between Dumbledore and Harry again. It's just like, no, like that doesn't work. Yeah. And Jake and Miranda, her, Hermione's parents stand up for him and they say, you know, we'll take him. And Vernon's like, good, take him. He'll just destroy your family too. Yeah. And Harry just has to leave. He has yeah. to get out. Mm-hmm. Well, Dumbledore's Miranda- like, you can't leave the premises. <laughs> Miranda tries to hug him, and he like not try. Her away. She's doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, she she hugs him, but she, he he pushes her off him. Yeah, he goes without a fight at first, and then says, "Get out!" So Harry tries to go. He, yeah. He's still doing what they told him. Yep. Yeah. And he just doesn't want to break down in front of them. No, he doesn't. He's he wants to be strong. Learned that he can't do that. Yeah. It's a sign of weakness, and they'll just think less of him for it. I don't know how they could think less of him, but... I'm sure well, they work at it. It wasn't even... I, I, I don't think this was even just about him not wanting to cry in front of the Dursleys. I think he didn't want to cry in front of everyone, because if you remember in book four, Harry's fighting back tears when Molly hugs him after Cedric dies, and he won't let himself cry. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because it's not just Dumbledore and Jake and Miri and Bertie. I don't think Bertie went in the house with him. And Hermione right. and the Dursleys. There's horrors everywhere. Right. I, I don't think he would even, even if it was just the Grangers and Dumbledore, I don't even think he would let them cry. Uh, let I think them he would for the, for the Grangers. I don't think he would for Dumbledore. Yeah. And he certainly uh, would for Hermione, I think. I think he oh, would for Hermione. Yeah. I, I think... The Grangers are—it's still a little shaky at this point because even though they've been been there for him a lot more than the Weasleys have, he knew the the Weasleys were considered family to him up until the moment that Hermione comforted him after fourth year, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't even cry in front of them. So, so he so, pushes past everyone. He says, "I won't go far. I just anywhere but here." And he goes outside, and that's the end of chapter fifty-one. Yep. And Hermione wants to go to him but her mother won't let her. Yep. And so he's kind of off at the very edge of the grounds, and she's just, she wants to go to him so bad. Mm-hmm. And she just mm-hmm. has to wait. Yep, Miranda is somewhat defending Vernon here, which is reasonable because she doesn't know him. Right, yeah. Right. She They've met him once, him. I mean. And they were asses, yes. And Jake was actually the one who talked to him mm-hmm. at right. that point. Yeah. Um, so this is Miranda's first time really, really seeing them. And she's trying to mitigate this a little bit, saying to Hermione that, you know that Mr. Dursley was wrong about Harry no longer having a home, don't you? Yeah. yeah. And, and she knows, but they don't know if Harry knows. Right. And then that just sets Hermione off again, pacing. So Dumbledore goes off and speaks with the Aurors, and she looks up at him and... Dumbledore he says, says yeah, go. Go ahead. I, I believe he would benefit greatly from your presence. And Hermione does not need to be told twice. Nope. 
Nope. She goes right to him, and he he croaks, and he just he starts to lose it, and he buries his you know face in her hair, and just, that's the best place to hide. Yeah. Yep. And Hermione's bushy hair. Yep. Yeah. 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 I mean, who knows what's else in there? He might find a snack. <laughs> so bad. And he says, "I never thanked you." And she didn't know what he was talking about. And he says, I never thanked you for what you did the night Cedric died. And finally, in chapter 52, we're discussing what happened in chapter 2. Yeah. (laughs) Her knees shake for a minute and her thoughts turn to that night where she'd Mm -hmm. given Harry the most precious treasure she'd ever possessed. And she was okay with that. Yes. Yeah, apparently. Okay. Okay. And she's got all these emotions tearing at her, and he's got all these emotions tearing at him. And she says, you don't ever have to thank me for that, Harry. And he says, I should never stop thanking you. If you hadn't been there, if you hadn't been there with me, and he just, he, he's struggling for what to say, and he looks deep in her eyes and says, without you, I honestly think I may have gone mad. And then he says, I love you. Aww. Aww. Puke. Puke. And, <laughs> and she'd always it, known that he'd loved her, but oh god, this is the first do we time. really have to get into this? Yes. Uh, we, we dig. Oh, yes, this is Okay, three females in one male. Two of us are like Ugh, puke. The other female doesn't really care. And here's the male like going. Shit. Yes, we have to discuss it. <laughs> okay, would you be willing to talk about this if it was Harry and Jenny? No. No. <laughs> no. Okay, Tr- that's fair. Trisha, Trisha's all in any of these kinds of scenes. So, Deathrow, <laughs> you know me. I'm a gen chipper. I don't like you. This I know. Yeah. You are asking Trisha. <laughs> no, I no. It's pretty much anything overly fluffy. I'm just pretty much. Oh, come on. Yeah. Very nice. So he reveals. So I, I'm, I'm equal opportunist when it comes to puking. Yes, you are. (laughs) The vomit is back at Powderfick Weekly. (laughs) (laughs) Not in these chapters, but... Oh, was there vomit? There was. There was vomit. vomit And we we thought about you. Oh, then you know what? I love this. I love this story then. (laughs) (laughs) He says, I have one of your Christmas presents. You didn't get to open it. And he gives it to her. And what I think is very interesting is that he picked this up at Gringotts when he stopped with Dumbledore just a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. No, it's, I always thought that he picked it up in like September. Well, no, I think this uh, is oh the no. reason he goes to, to the yeah. He didn't make the arrangements here, but he picked it up. That's why it only took five okay. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And inside is a gold medallion linked to a chain. So you can wear it like a necklace about the size of a silver dollar. The coin is pure gold. And it's covered in the Gringotts emblem and goblin script. And I love this line. All witches and wizards could read some goblin as it was the language <laughs> of their currency. Yeah, but, but these but weren't the, typically yeah, not, used. And she checks it out and it turns out that this is a full rights vault granting medallion. Couldn't have come up with a better way of saying that. I don't know. <laughs> and basically it means that all of Harry's fortune is equally hers. Right. In... Now, Gringotts law, not in the eyes of anyone else, but in the eyes of the Gringotts, goblins, they're married. That's what this does. This grants her all the rights that she would have had she actually married him. How old are they? 
15. 15. Oh. And she's yeah. not this sure. This is me, too. Yeah. She's um, not I I could just... Sorry, keep going. No, that's all I had. She's not sure he knows exactly what it means. And she has he to says, question yes, him. Yes, I do. He says, if you never wanted to go beyond banking law, I, I understand. But I, when we're old enough, I want to marry you. And basically, he's just proposed, not with a ring, but with a bank passbook. Can I can I just say the proposal like they lost me a little on the proposal, but as far as the, the Hermione equally having you know sorry. like ma- making Whoa. sure that dies. That I'm was okay. me. I'm sorry. Hold your thought, Cat. My mother's outside yelling at me because she just got here. I tried to put you on hold on mute, and I ended up putting you guys on hold. Cat, go ahead. Okay, so what I'm what I was saying is I they lost me at the proposal. Because I'm not big on 15-year-olds proposing to each other and accepting marriage. Because that's just kind of weird. But as far as what the medallion meant and the fact that Harry got it for her so so that she would be taken care of if he died, I totally understand. Because Mm -hmm. Harry is, you know, one of those people that it's really rare for them to not care, you know, at all about money. I mean, I can see him like just kind of throwing it to the clouds because he he just doesn't care. And when he gets out of Hogwarts, he's going to work really hard at whatever job he has, and because he never had anything, and the money that his parents left him haven't has never really been a big thing for him. So I get that. I get that part of it. The marriage proposal, they I didn't really like. Yeah, but I like it, to get it lost the, me too. The money, yeah. It's just, it's weird coming literally minutes after getting punched out by his uncle and being accused of being a worthless human being and you're the reason your cousin is dead. The juxtaposition didn't really work for me. We are in agreement. Agreement. Yeah, that's it. I can talk. Yep. I like that they're saying, not right away, but, you know, th- this is kind of in our heads. And something we didn't tell you, Trisha, is that Trelawney made Harry drink a potion in her class, the Draught of Foreknowing, and he saw into his own future, saw an older Hermione with a baby with black hair. So they've discussed children, you know, someday. It's it's all very, very someday. And what what bothers me about this is that in 90% of fantasy or sci-fi, they make it clear that the future is not stagnant. It's not, you know, definite that this is, that whatever you you foresee is going to happen. And things can, you know, even knowing that, you know, what you foresee could happen will change the future if you act yeah. upon it. And I really and, didn't like it because it, it probably would have happened without that prompting, but the fact that he took this potion, saw the future, is what triggered everything happening when it did. Yeah, and and yeah. that just, I mean, it's like no one has ever told Harry that, you know, the future is not, you know, automatic. He so has never watched Empire Strikes, Strikes Back. Apparently not. <laughs> yeah, this never gave, you know, this would give, give him hope that he was going to you know, live through the war, so he starts talking about the future, and talking, you know, and it's just, you know, yeah. 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 So, 
Hermione's mind is pretty blown, and she's wondering how long it will take her to get used to being called Hermione Potter. <sighs> so they sign the paperwork, as it were, and then it's time to go. Harry gives Jake and Mary and Bertie a big bag of money, uh, probably accomplished at Gringotts just yep. a few minutes ago. And they protest and say they can't take this. And he says, um, this is nothing compared to what I have. Take it. I don't care about money. If it were the last I had, I would want you to have it anyway. Take it. Jake says, all right, we'll take it for now on the understanding that you have to take back whatever we return to you when this is all over. So he says, all right, if that's what it takes. And they discuss their travel plans. And Harry and Hermione are going back to Hogwarts with Dumbledore. And they are sending the Grangers and Bertie on to Remus Lupin's. And Dumbledore looks at Hermione and says, I, I take it you trust Remus to adequately see to the safety of your family? Which is great. And yeah. they're like, what about the dental practice? What about my horse? And Hermione's grandfather raised horses, and there's one left named Tiggy that she really loves a lot. So discussion, discussion, touching parting, and we're back to Hogwarts in Chapter 53. One of my first comments uh, back in the previous chapter uh, that I'll just bring up here because we're leaving Private Drive. The story does not really have a bad guy per se, like an active bad guy. Someone needs to be the goat in the story, and it can't be Ron because Ron has experienced character growth and become a much better person in all of our opinion. The goat is the Dursleys. They're the yeah, ones mm -hmm. behind everything. So... And this scene right here just feels like this is the last we're ever going to see of them. Yeah. So they're moving on, and now we're back to school, and our villains are Voldemort and Draco Malfoy. Well, I love that Dumbledore never even brings up, you know, now that the Dursleys have disowned you, where what are we going to put What about the blood him? protection? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't, like, worry about that at all. Yeah. Which makes me crazy. It's very strange. But even to this point, Draco hasn't really been in the fic. Okay. He, what he's been doing, kind of more like a, you think, more spy, more kind of like um, We don't really know too doing? much about what he's been doing. We will meet him in the chapters we're covering tonight, but he's really just been in the background, being an ass, being immature and such. So there is no bad guy in the fic per se. There's Voldemort, but he's, he's not in the fic. He's just there. He's the threat. He's just the dark cloud. Right. We get back to school. Uh, one of the things that has happened since they became animagi is that they have dreams in their animal form, and they're oh, running right. through the jungle and through the forbidden forest, and they have cat dreams. And Harry has the animal senses sometimes when he wants to, so he. Here's this, the door kind of opener or something, and he knows it's Ron and Jenny who have come in, and I get a great quote. They were in the room somewhere nearby. They were trying to be quiet, but quiet and Weasley had never been concepts on friendly terms, <laughs> which is hysterical. And That's so true. Let's see. They get back to school. He Harry goes to see Madame Pomfrey, of course. Uh, they leave. They get back to the common room. Harry's wondering if anyone stayed. 
for over the Christmas holiday. Yeah, they collapse on the couch to just unwind from all of this, and then uh, they come in and scrolling through the chapters, just chit-chat, chit-chat. There's a lot of talking in this chapter. Yeah. There it's kind is. of very, um, from what I'm skimming, it's just very, yeah, it, they're just, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. Yeah, they're mentally exhausted from everything that's been going on, and they're back, it's quiet, no one's around, and just unwind completely, just drop all the barriers. They go to bed together to sleep, and he gives, she steals his, uh, one of his Quidditch shirts. Apparently she can't be bothered to put on pants. Well, she took the pants off. Yes. She's standing there in just the shirt, and I imagine it comes down to about an inch past her hips. And yeah. it's, ooh. Because Harry's not that big. No, yeah. Harry's kind of scrawny. Yeah. Yeah, this is why you date bigger men than you. Then you, The shirts can be longer. Well, the shirt, I imagine, is like a football jersey that goes over the pads and such that they wear, so it is bigger. See, I always and, pictured Quidditch as like rugby, like you don't wear pads, really. Yeah, that's what I always pictured, too. If you look at, you know, the movie, like, they have pads on their wrists and pads on their shoulders, and that's about it. Elbows. Keeper wears oh. a helmet. Yeah. But but still, I mean, there, there aren't very many pads. True, but they go under the shirt and the robes. and No, the, the pads go over the... the yeah, it's just, like oh, wear, yeah, it's just like wearing the like elbows and knee, knee pads. She's just that small, I guess. Okay. But in any case... A woman standing there in the man's shirt with the legs sticking out the bottom, the bare legs, is very sexy. I will take your word for that. You'll okay. have to. Beca- you'll have to because men can't do this in reverse. No. Oh, my God. I just had a visual. <laughs> well, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Tom Cruise in the underwear and the shirt sliding across the floor is pretty sexy. But that's not a woman's shirt. I mean, that's yeah. not a woman's shirt. That's not woman's underwear either. There. All right, all right. Well, I came into in the, the this this conversation, so I didn't quite get all of it. I'm sorry. That's okay. You'll that's hear it when you edit. <laughs> I'm sure I will. In a year. Let's see. So they get into bed. She's not wearing a bra. She is wearing the medallion. And he's just drifting off. And they go to sleep. They have the weird dream. And then Ron and Ginny show up. Quiet and Weasley don't go together. They're just commenting on seeing the two of them asleep there. Which is hysterical. And I love Ginny, like, you know, kind of doing that hush whisper. Like, if you wake them up, I will kill you. And like... (laughs) Yeah, Ron already woke me up. Yeah, I love Ron. I can't figure out how they got away with this. They're so cute together, <laughs> says Jenny. She should do and, something, don't you think? If you wake them, Ron, I swear you'll be hex crockside for a week. Ron is being such the annoying brother. Like, look, she left her bra on the floor. Like, I mean, only a brother would really go in, into that stuff. Yeah. Com- I mean, why is he complaining about a woman leaving her bra on the floor? Like, I'm very it's, confused by this. It's because yeah, you don't it's Hermione's sleep. bra. That's true. It's like, oh my god, my sister's bra is on the floor. It's not, ooh, my girlfriend's bra, which would be the sexy thing. 
Right. It's my sister, and this is gross, even though he really did have a crush on her for all this time. He's he wanted to get her bra off for so long, and now it's off, and he can't even enjoy it. No, right. it's very sad. <laughs> this is also wrong. <laughs> so they're discussing how cute they look, and, well, Ginny thinks they look cute. Ron is yeah. just like, hey, enough of that. Mm-hmm. Ron is with Trisha vomiting in the corner. Yes. yes. And and she nicked his Quidditch shirt, too. That's just not right. <laughs> and Hermione whispers, if you wake up, he- Harry, I'll hex you bald. And he's like, oh, you're awake. Uh, we heard, <laughs> uh, tell me in the common room what you heard. I don't wait away, Harry. Ron woke Harry. <laughs> so, like, How long have you been awake? Long enough to assure Ron that I gave you that shirt. And Ron makes a strangled noise. (laughs) Strangled, scandalized noise. Why didn't you say something? And he says, because I didn't want Hermione to get off of me. She feels good. I didn't need to know that. That's too much information. (laughs) Ginny says, oh, that's so sweet. Uh, And that's the thing about dealing with Ron and Ginny. Ginny, from the get-go, has been supportive. Mm -hmm. And Ron, once he came around... He has been the brother. fairly supportive. Right. He He's trying in he so is. many ways. <laughs> <laughs> he's also jealous, too, because you know what? He's not getting any. Yeah, it's true. It is. And then, uh, so they go to the to cross the room, to the girls' counter room, so Hermione can get changed. And um, Lavender happens to be in the common room and realizes that Hermione's in nothing but Harry's Quidditch shirts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why didn't she take her pants with her? I have no idea. <laughs> She's an exhibitionist. Yeah. Apparently it. so. <laughs> Hermione the exhibitionist. It's the it's the nerdy quiet ones that you have to be afraid of. You really have yeah. to watch out for them. Yeah. You do. Uh-huh. So Ginny and Hermione leave Lavender there gawking at them. And she goes... And then she goes scurrying down the stairs and to uh, tell the rumor. <laughs> right. We have to get the rumor off. And, and Ginny's like, oh, you two did it, didn't you? And like, no, no, Ginny, really, we just slept, which is true. They did just sleep. Mm-hmm. It is. But and now Ginny the says, entire school is going to think that they did it. Right. Yeah. And Ginny bounded over to Parvati's neatly made unused bed and sat down cross-legged and bobbing energetically. <laughs> Please, Miami, I'm not your mom. You don't have to give me that story. It's not a story. And don't call me Miami. <laughs> don't call me Shirley. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for once that Hermione is yes. objecting to the fact that, you know, someone's calling Hermione. Yeah. And the only reason she lets Harry do it is because Harry is her boyfriend. Boyfriend. Yeah. He gets away with things you can't. Jenny says, oh, I'll bet. So what did he get away with last night? <laughs> She's like, nothing. Uh, we slept. We were both out. That's it. Damn. I wanted to ask how it was. I've heard it hurts. And Hermione hurt. tries yeah. to like school her expression and she's not fast enough. And she's like, Jenny's like, oh, you did do it. <laughs> I, I have to say, like, I, I was not, of all the things in this fic, I was not expecting to have this discussion between Hermione and Ginny. No, but it's fun. Yeah. It really is. It is. It, it's Ginny great. Is but at the same time. For, Ginny's too damn observant for Hermione's good. Right. It would seem Ginny oh, yeah. got all the powers of observation that should have gone to Ron on top of her own. <laughs> yep. Because Ron like, is clueless. 
Tell me. How was it? Was it while you were at your parents for Christmas? Was it good? Uh, you know, he'd have to be bloody fantastic to keep up with this whole boy who lived reputation. How big is he? Seamus likes to boast. <laughs> I love Seamus likes to boast about how impressive he is, but I have to wonder if it's not the quiet types with, that are toting the really big ones. What is the muggle phrase? The one that puts dad in fits of laughter, talk quietly but carry a big stick or something like that? Uh, I'm sorry. It, it makes me laugh because I know Seamus is an, is an Irish bloke. And <laughs> you know what they say about the Irish blokes? Uh, no, what do they say about the Irish blokes? He's oh, not worried. <laughs> well, he is three feet tall, according to Ryan. That's so Hermione just says, will you please keep your voice down a little louder and Ron might hear you. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay, I'm sorry, but come on, you're killing me here. I'm dying to know everything. That's so cute. She's like, well, I don't know where to start. She's like, well, you shagged, right? Start there. Oh, even first, she's like, you swear not to tell anybody? I swear, put a spell on me if you think I'll tell anyone. Make it a real nasty one. And that's just perfectly yeah. echoing Order of the Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Turn me into a slug, or worse yet, a Slytherin. I object. I'm sorry, that's where I had to throw that in there. Mm -hmm. Well, she says it, so. She does. Well, in, Griffin, in true Gryffindor fashion, yes, that's the worst thing for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Jenny says, did you and Harry shag? And Hermione just nods. Is it true it hurts the first time? She nods again. How bad? <laughs> so we go into graphic detail. <laughs> yeah, so we, Hermione's got to think about it. Um, let's see. <laughs> All right, let's go. We'll skip this part there. We don't need yeah, to know. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to cover the graphic detail of what sex is like the first time. Yeah. But I, I will. I will give this author credit. It wasn't a magical experience like it is for you know. There's like the sixteen-year-olds oh who are writing the fic, and it's just like, and they had sex for four hours. It's like no. really. <laughs> mm -mm. Not, not without You're AIDS. Lucky if it lost a minute. Well, you know, in Coven, that's what happened. No, not Kevin. In uh, Paradigm. Paradigm, yeah. So they're like, oh, it's a sharp pain. But after that, you just sort of get caught up in everything. You don't pay attention to it. And does it really not hurt the times after that? She says, I don't know. Yeah, Harry and I only did it once. When? Right after the Triwizard Tournament? That long ago? I didn't know you'd been together that long. And she's like, We weren't together. It was just, it was weird. Yeah, I just needed to make sure he was okay and it just sort of happened mm -hmm. just sort of nothing always there's no such thing as sort of happened it does or it doesn't well, well, it, well it does when Harry has a complete emotional breakdown and there's comfort and hugging and stroking of the back and and one thing leads to another because they're both kind of overwhelmed by this whole concept that A Voldemort's back and B somebody's dead and Terry has never seen a dead person they are before. And... They're hormonal teenagers. Yep. Yes. That's true. And then I love Ginny. So, I guess that leaves me one question. What are the measurements on the wand of the famous boy who lived? <laughs> this, this reminds me of uh, Naked Quidditch wow, Match. Naked Quidditch. Yes. <laughs> There's actually another point later on that does remind me of NQM, and I'll bring it up when we get there. 
And, and I love Hermione. Well, I've never seen another one, so I don't know how to compare. So we'll just say nothing. Yeah. I think it's uh, impressive enough. Yeah. Uh, besides, would you really be able to sit across the breakfast table from him and act totally normal if I told you he was hung like a horse? And Ginny. Like, yeah, no. Ginny does <laughs> LOL, ROTFL. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, about it. Wipes tears then, from her eyes and says, no, you're right, then, I probably don't want to know. And then Ginny sees the medallion. Right. Yeah. Um, that gets explained. Again. And she asks the same question Hermione did. Did Harry know that this means that you guys are married? Hermione's yeah, like, yeah, he I did. asked him to. And she's very happy for them. And mm-hmm. she says, Harry, you, you really got one of the good ones, you know. Harry's a yeah. great guy, and I know he'll always be good to you. Which is so true. And, and I love this line. Ginny broke oh. away from Hermione and collected herself when she was more presentable. That was to say, not a veritable beacon flashing. I've been hearing naughty secrets. Ask me all about it. She <laughs> cocked her head at Hermione. <laughs> I love that. Uh, it is so true. And then the last lines in the chapter here, they decide to go out because the boys are waiting. And Ron says impatiently, what took so bloody long? And Ginny just replies, <laughs> I was tell- just telling Hermione all about Seamus. <laughs> and Ron goes, that bloody git. Yeah, I don't want to hear about that. Why is Ron questioning why, you know, it takes Ginny so long? Because girls, I, I will confess that girls take forever to do everything. That's not true. I don't. But when another girl's involved, like, I, I can just totally understand, like, see Ron at this point, just be like, well, they've, they've got to go get changed for breakfast. They're going to be four hours. I mean, I might as well just go out and down and eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see him at lunch. Yeah, yep. that's it. So I like this author's note. Just an odd yeah. aside here, a thought I've been pondering in off moments during the day. Think there's any chance I've managed to sway even one Ron Hermione fan over to the Harry Hermione side? Even perhaps just a slim chance? Or is that reaching too high? Overextending myself, as it were? Quite possibly. Just something I've been puzzling over. Now, on with the next chapter. Yep. And as we have no real shippers on the call, we can't answer the question. No, we can't. Nope. We don't have a... On Saturday, at 11pm, I felt something click. <laughs> We don't have a yeah, moment. Not it would be nice if you are out there in listener land and you have been converted to ship on the HMS pumpkin pie, then please send us a voicemail, send us an email, send us something, come to the forum, post about it. Yes. We, want to we meet would you. like to know. This fic converted Ryan. Tell you what, if you want to just write something and have us read it on the air, I will read it in my Londo voice. Ooh, try not to make it too long if you do that, folks. We don't want him to lose his voice. Uh, I will say that I'm definitely, I am I'm enjoying this, despite its mushy moments. Mm-hmm. Yay. Oh, yeah. It's a great story. It's a very in-character story. Yeah, it's, defi- it's definitely a plausible left turn from canon. Mm. I commend her for that, at least, because I've yeah. seen plenty of Harry Hermione that's just, you know, off the rails, and where did you get all this stuff from? Because yeah. I don't understand what's going on! Mm-hmm. Ron and Ginny are in a conspiracy to date Hermione and Harry, respectively, and there's love potions involved, the pot- yeah, it's, evil people, yeah. and Ginny's trying to steal all the gold out of Harry's vault, and yeah. yet I'm so glad that this doesn't 
go in that direction, and it takes the characters that we know and tells a story that probably not exactly like Joe mm-hmm. would have written, but she could have gone in this direction, and it's honestly where I thought it was going. So there we are. It's well enough explained that it's plausible. Mm. So we're down in the Great Hall for breakfast. There's a few more people who have returned, and I'm just sort of curious as to how that's working because there's no trip on the Hogwarts Express. Has Harry ever gone home for the holidays? Did they take the Hogwarts Express? Yes, they did. Okay. Half-Blood Prince. Awesome. Good. Um, Because I've written that, and I'm glad to not be wrong. And so I don't understand. The only way I can fathom that students are trickling back in is that they're taking the flu to Hogsmeade and then walking up to the castle, but... Well, I can mm-hmm. see the purebloods doing that because they don't want to waste a day on travel. But I, I think the Muggleborns at least have to take the uh, Hogwarts Express. They might there have gotten have back fiction. already, and they're all up in their dorms, and they just don't want to come down because coming down to the Great Hall and having a meal would mean that like term is started again. Yeah, but it doesn't say anything about the Hogwarts Express coming back. So right, right. And they want they to sit know- down to eat. Yeah. And Ron is eating, talking with his mouth full. When isn't when isn't Ron eating? Right. When he's yelling. <laughs> and they want to know how come Ron and her Ron and her money. How come Ron and Ginny came back? And they tell him that they heard about what happened, and Dad's Dad spent all of Christmas, you know, at the ministry, popping in and giving us reports. And mm-hmm. uh, we decided we would come back to be with you. And what we find out is that Uncle, somebody who got into a stink sap thing and actually stinks to high heaven, is there. And so they were doing anything they could to get away from him. But he gives you really cool gifts. Was that Uncle mentioned in canon? I believe he was. I don't know. Not seen, but mentioned. And I love the fact that that character is pulled in, just in reference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He gives great Christmas presents. Because we find out that Ron has a new clean sweep. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I just, I love that Ron and Ginny gave up the rest of their Christmas break to come back for Harry and Hermione. What mm-hmm. good friends. They are good friends. And Harry and Hermione are like stuffing their faces like Ron. They're giving Ron a, a run for his money. And finally Indeed. Ron- well, I, I do love that it says Harry was eating heartily. Right, and, and that's, that's just not something you ever see Harry do. He pokes at his food, he doesn't eat because he's feeling guilty or whatnot. Right. So it, it's good to see him eating. Yep. And we find out, well, we knew, but Ron and Ginny find out that they haven't eaten since the day before yesterday because they were too busy to eat Christmas mm-hmm. Day. Well, they yeah, because they went to the Dursleys. Right. And yeah. Ron's just like, they let you go? Like, really? <laughs> yeah. They just discuss all of this, and uh, the cousin is Woolgrig. Cousin Woolgrig. Yep. Uh, Molly's cousin. Can I just say, it finally clicked in this chapter, and actually just now, that for Christmas, the Dursleys gave Harry disowning. Like, the worst Christmas present ever, being disowned. Or the I best. I don't know. I, yeah. I was going to say, that's the best. I think so, too. I don't know. He doesn't have to worry, worry I mean, I mean, because it's the Dursleys, yes, that's the best Christmas present that they could ever give him. But on the other side of things, like... Being disowned is a really crappy Christmas gift. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure they were pleased to give it to him. Oh, yeah. So they say how sorry they are about Dudley, and he says, It's weird. I'm sorry that he was killed, but I'm not sad he's dead. 
I'm more upset about the Grangers and Graham than about Dudley. Or about Vernon and Petunia. Guess that makes me a pretty rotten person. And they're like, uh, no. No, it doesn't. It just makes them human. They don't deserve that. Yeah. No. And they all agree that if that makes him a bad person, then they all must be bad people, too. Yep. So. And they work through it, and they're quiet, and they're eating, and then Ron says, Oh, I almost forgot. We brought Hedwig back from the burrow with us. Why do you have to bring Hedwig anywhere? Let her fly. I know. And he <laughs> says that. She would not She would have loved to have been able to come on her own instead of fluing. And yeah. Like, it took the owl through either. the flu. Yeah. And then we have McGonagall come to get Miss Granger. Mm-hmm. Uh, to give her a letter. And everyone's wondering why McGonagall was playing post-owl. But it turns out to be a letter from her parents. They are with... Lupin and everything is fine. Yep. And they can't say where they are. But, I really do wonder where they are. I mean, they, with Lupin, but where's Lupin? Mm-hmm. Is he at his house? Is he at Grimmauld's place? Yeah. I mean, who knows where he is? So. Hopefully, they won't be with Lupin for the full moon because, yeah, that could be a problem. That could be a little oh. awkward. And that'd be all magical then. They discuss that for a little bit about how it's very safe. They bring up the wandless magic again. They, they, they want to know what they're going to do until term starts. Mm-hmm. And Ron just groans and says, oh, no, no, it's never going to move. Best we just accept it. Mm-hmm. And he's defeated before, well, I can't say before he even tries, but I think that is hello? accurate because I don't, hello. Okay. <laughs> the line went because totally dead like it was about to drop. So I was just like, um, am I Sue, still around? Do you have any problems? Yeah, no. Should I, nope. should I start? Okay. Yeah, over again. it over again just because we interrupted it halfway through. Okay. They discuss the parents being safe. Then they say, okay, what shall we do now that we're waiting for the term to start? Hermione suggests that they could take up the wandless magic again, and Ron groans. It's a self-defeating attitude. He says, oh, the quill's never going to move. We should just accept it. And he's giving up before he's ever really tried. I don't think he ever gave it an honest try. No. Has he ever given anything an honest try again? Quidditch. <laughs> but but this is chess. Quidditch even exists. Chess. Yeah, but he's always been good at chess. That, that comes easy to him. That's mm. true. But well, he, in so many ways, he's just like any any Boy. other kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, Deep any deeper. other kid who just doesn't doesn't want to try. If it doesn't come easy or naturally, he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. yeah. And I know yes. we give him a hard time for that, but we probably shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's just being a typical... Kid. Yeah, I guess. I actually. Go ahead. The fact that, you know, Harry is our standard and Harry has had such like this very messed up life and, you know, the fact that he's expected to face Voldemort and all this, that everything kind of skews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, Harry picks up a lot of his behavior patterns from Ron and Ron is lazy. As much as I don't like Ron, I have no problem with the fact that he's lazy. No. It's very strange. I'm lazy. Uh, I totally get it. You know what? We're all lazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. We are. Very true. And Ron suggests it's, I love this, Hermione's lips pursed. In other words, were drawn into a straight line. Mm-hmm. But just when she looked ready to launch into another classic Ron-Hermione argument, she calmed down and said coolly, all right then, what do you suggest? It's the holiday. I suggest we don't do anything that might even remotely resemble any kind of work. And obviously they didn't get any homework to complete over the holiday. Right. And 
Hermione's mouth opened and closed soundlessly a moment as she visibly tried not to get into it with Ron, but compelled by her nature to protest his laziness and the suggestion that she do the same. And Harry reaches over, touches her hand, which distracts her. Harry says to Ron, you know, Hermione can't just do nothing. She wouldn't be Hermione if she kicked back and lays the day away without accomplishing something. Yeah. He's like, I'm very, I'm very much like Hermione in this way. I cannot be lazy. Mm-hmm. I go, I, I'm unemployed right now and I'm going very nuts because I have nothing to do all day. Me too. Uh-huh. You both have a podcast to edit. I don't want to hear yeah, it. Yeah, I know. You know what? I've been feeling sick and, you know, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but that's just, you know. I stared I at the whole that you form can't gave complain headache. About, about having nothing to do when I know you both have a podcast. I'm not saying that I have nothing to do. <laughs> I just pick up, like, podcast editing and, like, I, I have a, I was supposed to write a cover letter today, but I couldn't because my back is out and I'm, you know, suffering from nausea because I had an ice cream cone last night. Like, which I'm just was giving my you a fault. bad time. I know you are, but I don't care because I like defending myself when you give me a hard time. I'll edit the podcast in between weeding the lawn, unpacking, <laughs> spreading mulch. The poor author. I sent her the first one. I'm like, okay, you'll be a month before I get the next two. Oh, jeez. That's all right. And I'm sorry because Dazzle has, you know, it keeps cracking the whip on me writing my fic. I know. Someone has to. This is true. So I just need to start cracking the whip to get editing done. I no, because I have to. No, because I have to write my fic because like ten people now know about the fic and are very interested in the fic and they want the fic out. And I'm on chapter three. That's what you get for discussing it on the podcast. Yes, I I, yep. I, I realize that, but you know, it was more written than it than it is now because someone had me rethink. The beginning, and now I have to. Oh, you mean someone poked holes in your starting premise? Who could that yes. be? I don't know. But anyway. there was this other fic. Children. Yes, we'll get to yours in due time, Cat. Don't worry. <laughs> it's all about me. What are you talking about? Uh, no, it's all about me. Okay. <laughs> and I thought it was all about Harry and Hermione. It so, is. Oh, yeah. no one. No one cares about Hermione. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So, and we're at the end, and we move into chapter 55. Wandering around the castle all day. Yes. They can't agree on anything to do together, because with anything they suggest, someone is excluded. They can't go flying, because Hermione doesn't fly. And there's no other specific suggestions listed here, but you know they, they can't study because Ron doesn't want to study. And because Ginny would be doing different classwork than mm-hmm. the rest of them would. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I felt the phrasing of the quartet ended up wandering the castle was very interesting just because, you know, it was very, it's a very, you know, not so subtle homage to the Marauders mm-hmm. because the Marauders made the Marauders map by spending, you know, their free time wandering around the castle. Mm-hmm. And I liked the use of the word quartet where we always see the trio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll just aside here for a moment. One of the things I take great pleasure in when I whenever I write is if there's three students together, I call them a trio, mm-hmm. yep. just because it, it's poking at the fandom. So, so right. though I I don't like so much that it's Ginny that's rounding out their quartet because it's always Ginny rounding out. It's always Hermione, Harry, 
Ron, and Ginny. Yeah. Instead I of, you know... don't really that either, but uh, let me just ask you by way of redirection, who would you prefer to see there? Uh, would you like to see Neville? Or would you like to see one of the fifth-year girls? Luna. Luna. Luna would no. be fun. Luna doesn't exist in this fic. I don't care! I want to see Luna. She's Luna, awesome. Luna, Luna, Luna is, has um, less reason to hang around with them. Luna's her, not, um, oh my gosh, is, is Jenny's friend. Not, I oh, would yeah, say no. Neville, what would be funny would be Seamus. Uh, that. that would be well, actually, yeah. Would just Harry and Hermione because Ron would be pounding on Seamus. <laughs> well, which that works. interesting too. Or Dean, or, you know, I, I, I just, I'm not even talking about this fix so much. It's just a trope that any time that right. an author doesn't want it to be the golden trio, he adds, they, they, he, like, you know, they're all male authors. They will add Ginny to, to it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that fixes everything. But, yeah. you know, Ginny has a life of her own. It's not like she has nothing better to do all day than, you know, stalk Harry Potter around Hogwarts. Right. Yeah, she, she should be out snogging Seamus. Or Dean, or Michael Corner, or <laughs> or hanging out with Luna, or you know, or mm-hmm. whoever her friends are in this fic. It's, I mean, it's just kind of frustrating that you know it can't be somebody else that Harry, Ron, and Hermione are hanging out with. Like Neville, if if Neville were there, then that would be great. Right. I don't think Neville's but even I, what, in this fic. What saves it here for me though is that it's not during the term; it's on holiday, mm-hmm. so it's whoever happens to be back is right. hanging around. And there, yeah, there's not very many people. You were talking earlier about people trickling in, and I don't think people are trickling in to the castle. These are just the people that had stayed for the holiday, and mm-hmm. they might have been trickling into the Great Hall for breakfast, but I don't think anybody else has arrived back from the holiday except for these four. Unless, you know, parents saw them, you know, saw, saw about the attack and be like, oh, well, Hogwarts is going to be the safest place for you. Yeah, but yeah. I think they kept the attack really hush-hush. That's true. Yeah, that's not real big news. That would be horrible to if it got out that the boy who lived was attacked in his home or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. So. Because uh, you know that's how the newspapers would would spin it. Yeah. And after so, spending the day kind of wandering around, checking out the Owlry, trying they, to... See. They visit Hagrid, and I do like that they just summarized what happened with Hagrid rather than going through the whole story of the attack yet again. Right. And I'm doubly glad because we don't have to read Hagrid's accent, which is usually written quite badly. (laughs) And here is the moment that reminded me of Naked Quidditch Match. Oliver Wood has finished school. His last year was Prisoner of Azkaban. What the hell is he doing here snogging with Lavender? Well, she needed somebody to snog. So we use Oliver Wood? I mean, unless he's well, like well, and just failed all his classes and had to stay back a couple well, of years. Well, give give Lavender some credit. He is the bigger staff. He is uh, the bigger uh, staff. <laughs> how big is the wand again? So, um, so that was just weird to me. I was like, really? Oliver Wood? did, did And I had to do some math. I'm like, no, no, he was in Percy's year. And last year at Goblet of Fire, Percy wasn't in the school. So he, oh, my God. He's been two years out of school and he's there. Well, it, it is of, Christmas holiday. It is. And it kind of reminds me of Rebuilding Life, where Ron isn't back for his seventh year. But he just But he's just there all the time anyway. Yeah. I think that Lavender just got Oliver Wood for Christmas. 
Ooh. What do you want for Christmas, Oliver? Speak up, Thank trip. you for going there and not saying a wood. Thank you. I appreciate um, that very much. I totally well, forgot his, his last name was Wood. <laughs> People unpacking, just cover things. So, oh, the, the great paragraph here. A stop at Dumbledore's office yielded no further information about the Death Eaters who had attacked the Dursleys and killed Dudley. And in fact, the headmaster confessed he was skeptical that anything would be found. From all indications, the Death Eaters who left the Dursley house and family in such ruins had been too mindful of themselves to leave behind anything that might allow the Ministry to track them back to their lord. There was still the possibility something would turn up that, escaped, that had escaped notice before, but Dumbledore didn't peg too much hope on that. Needless to say, Dumbledore had not been encouraged by the continued lack of fruitful reports from the Aurors on the site of the attack. It was disheartening, but not wholly unexpected. Voldemort had evaded capture for 11 years before he was bested by a special baby, and it was fair to assume that that incident had taught him a lesson or two on caution. Voldemort wasn't dangerous because he was stupid. Mm -hmm. I love this paragraph because it acknowledges that the bad guy is smart it, it's i don't see this voldemort jumping up and down screaming kill them kill them mm-hmm. to go to yeah it's i can see him saying kill all the lawyers but i just i, I love the, the mention that voldemort might actually not be stupid yeah mm-hmm. gives a especially since canon but canon voldemort is so stupid he is so stupid. And it just gives him this menace, which we don't have a substitute bad guy, really. It's Voldemort is the real deal. Right. Mm-hmm. So it makes him seem much more dangerous. That yep. he's intelligent. And you worry what's he going to come up Well, I mean, in this fic, we don't have Umbridge or Fudge or um, Scrimgeour or, or people that you know are definitely much more of the villains in the Harry Potter canon because mm-hmm. Voldemort's you know, a pussy, basically. Yeah. And um, not to make a big cat, you know, pun in the middle of, of a cat animated fic, but you know, it's it's just kind of nice for once that you get, you know, I I, I never I never really understood why people were afraid of Voldemort in canon because he's an idiot. So they go to dinner and kind of like wrap up. And and go back to Gryffindor Tower, and, and they find Oliver and Lav Lav there about to snog, or more. And Hermione stops them and says that Hermione has uh, has transfigured one of the chairs in the library into a love seat, and I can just imagine Madame Pinson there. She's not, not there, but yeah, she's on a vacation, so she's not there. Which so. just makes me wonder: Why is the library open without the librarian? Yeah, there? I was just like, why would the? That doesn't make sense. Because the restricted section isn't locked; it's just roped off. Yeah, but there's charms in there. They'll they anyone can there. just wander in, pull books off the shelves, put them back in the wrong places. It's chaos, I tell you. <laughs> well, didn't you see in in the movie the books put themselves away? Right. They reshelve themselves. Yeah. And as we take the canon from the movies, I suppose we have to accept that. Mm-hmm. But it, it just strikes me as very odd that there's no supervision here in the library. And I'm wondering, like, if you look down all the other aisles, who are you going to find? Well, Lavender and Oliver, of course. Definitely. But 
you know, just wonder who else is in there taking advantage of the fact that the librarian is not there. Mm-hmm. So we move on, and Ginny has a letter from Seamus, mm-hmm. and Ron is grousing about that. They discuss how Seamus isn't good enough for her. Right. And Ginny just smiles at that and says, Ron, that was slightly sweet of you. <laughs> and they, uh, did they end up up in his room, Hermione and uh, Harry? Well, it wasn't quite there yet. Um, no. Ron, Ron says, <laughs> well, how did, how did we end up having this conversation, Harry? And he says, I don't know. And then he just looks and says, you talked to someone about Seamus not being good enough for me? And she thought Harry and Hermione would be on her side in this. And it comes out, they tell Ginny that Harry told Ron that he wasn't good enough for Hermione. And the discussion of the big row that they had there, and when they were being daft and hadn't started, well, when they hadn't admitted their feelings for each other yet. Right. And then they start talking about Christmas presents that they got, and, oh, yeah, that's right. And Harry blushes, and they're like, what? And he's like... Well, Hermione's grand got me condoms, and they're like, "Yeah, so and and so they." Have well, to, what's a condom? Yeah, explain condoms, and it comes out that it's a willy wrapper. Willy that, wrapper. That's, that was that's so a funny. great conversation. It is. Yeah, it's just oh god. It was funny. <laughs> well, there's this great quote when they're talking about who's good enough for who, and Ron says. Hey, I'm sure there are plenty of girls who can appreciate a no-frills straight talker. Someone who's a real what-you-see-is-what-you-get bloke. That'll be the type of girl for Ronald Weasley. No games or riddles or sap. Surely those kinds of girls exist. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's just, this from the guy who dated Lav Lav? <laughs> what the fuck? He didn't date Lav Lav then. In this yeah. I, I, right, see, I've but... never... I've I, I always thought... That Ron dated Lavender out of jealousy of the closeness that Harry and Hermione like had their little bond thing during year four mm-hmm. and year five. It just got kind of stronger, and then Ron was just like, "Oh, I'm gonna go date Lavender Brown because that's you know I don't know." Mm-hmm. But Ron at least seemed to have figured himself out in this fic and realizes that he needs a girl who enjoys a straight shooter, right? Somebody who's his mouth moves before he filters it through his brain. Yep. And I have a quote from Mal Reynolds here. Jane, your mouth is moving again. You may want to see to that. <laughs> they discuss the Christmas presents, and Ginny is the one who has the leather outfit in this fic. Yes, she is. It's based Dra- on the Dragon Keeper's stuff. Yeah, dragon skin leather outfit. It's like, Ginny oh God, leather. This could be fun. Uh, and then they have to explain the condoms, and Ron calls them little rubber willy slickers. <laughs> oh, that's muggles. They're a great laugh. Dad would die laughing if he knew about condoms. Have you got any? Yeah. I don't see them. I want to see one. No. 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 And you, no. you can just see Harry turning bright red because he was raised muggle, and he, you know, has a... And Hermione Scarlet. And... <laughs> I don't think he realizes why he has condoms. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the little rubber willy slippers. Yeah. yeah. And it's so perfect. I mean, it's exactly what they are, but just to see Ron <laughs> say that. Yeah. So everyone snorts and says, ah, Graham's a character. So yeah. 
Ren and Ginny are making fun of muggles and their primitive way of doing things, and while they're doing that, Hermione and Harry share a significant glance mm-hmm. about... And, and I have to say, that's a really crappy thing to do out of a friend. Like, your friend was raised, you know, at a completely different... It's, it's like, you know, someone who's American laughing at an Englishman who uses lift instead of elevator. And like, oh, those silly Brits. They don't know how to talk properly. Like, it's just... It's completely rude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially given that Hermione is muggle-born. Right. And and Harry was raised in the Like, really? You're going to go there? Yeah. But then so. Hermione shows Ron the medallion. Yep. Yeah. And they discuss it, and they're like go through this whole thing again. So I just I'd say, skip through this because it's the same stuff. Yeah. I mean, the scene needs to be in here, but it, it's just a repetition of everything. But so. you have to love Ron because emotional range of a teaspoon here. Mm-hmm. You did what? You asked Hermione? I heard you said that. I just can't believe it. What did she say? Well, what do you <laughs> think she said? She's wearing the thing, Ron. Come on. Well, I, I love the whole, like, I'm not freaking out. Who's freaking out? Not me. Not freaking out for Ron Weasley. And because I just, I picture his voice going up, like, a whole octave. Like, his voice cracks. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not freaking out. No, no. Aren't you get too young to be married? <laughs> well, we're not getting married tomorrow. Oh, oh, right, right. Oh, okay. Well, hmm. <laughs> and he t- takes a few minutes to absorb Process. it. And he I'm he says processing here. <laughs> processing and he just says, Okay, points at Hermione, you're going to be Harry's wife. Points at Harry, you're going to be Hermione's husband. And Hermione just says, Well, that's how it usually works. And he says, Right, right, that's wow, just wow. Good wow or bad wow? Good wow. Yeah, definitely good wow. Whoa, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Bill and Ted here. Whoa. Yeah. So, well, I'm glad yeah. I, that's clear as muddy water. It, it is I was clear. Gonna, clear as mud. That's my so, so I, lo- I love the fact that Ron, at this point, you know, just accepts the relationship. You two should get married, you know? I mean, Harry's the, the only one who can put up with all of Hermione's Hermione-ness, and Hermione will keep Harry from getting a big head from all the fame. Well, that's a ring endorsement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he accepts them, which is Mm -hmm. a first for fan fiction. Yes, indeed. He didn't punch Harry in the mouth and say, of course, you know, it's not his sister that Harry's proposed to and will be sleeping with. So I guess that's probably why. No, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, in in any Harry Hermione fic that I've ever read, I've never seen Ron just kind of, you know, say, hold on, I need to process this. I need to think this through. Okay. Mm I'm okay with this. I'm good with it. Yeah. And this is why I say this is a great characterization of Ron, and it's one of the reasons I love the fic so much, why I put it on the podcast. Right. And so then they say, oh, have you told your parents? No, not yet. Um, but no. they kind of know. and they're They know we're it. dating, but you know that, that's as far as it's gone, as far as they're concerned. And they just told her parents on the Christmas break. So it's just a little soon for them to be telling them, by the way, we're getting married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and Ron by the says, way, bring on sorry things we are. Yeah. Especially, I, I mean, even, you know, the most accepting parents would probably freak out at that. Yeah. yeah. 
Ron says, oh, I can't imagine my mom would be at all thrilled if I held her today and told her I was going to marry some girl, even if it was a girl like Hermione. Just would not go over well at all in our house. Mom would probably assume I'd knocked her up or <gasps> stopped and shot a look over at Harry, a look that went from shock to one <laughs> mounting fury. Harry, you didn't, huh? <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> of course he didn't, Ron. Didn't what? Get Hermione pregnant? No! <laughs> hey, don't get cross. It's just a fair question. And she says, fair and incredibly uncouth, but the answer is no. And like, right. Sorry I even brought it up. And wow, instant apology from Ron? Wow. Sweet! There we go. But it does get them thinking, and they decide that they're going to keep it secret, because... If Ron's jumping to that conclusion, then other people are going to jump to that conclusion as well. And they yeah. don't want to have to do that. And Ginny says, Ron brings up a point, clumsy and rude as it was in its execution. Right. And says, Let's face it, there aren't a whole lot of reasons for two people your age to seriously contemplate marriage unless it's because the girl's found herself in a family way. I just love the turn of phrase here. So mm-hmm. seems very wizardly. Yeah. So- you see scarlet woman all over the place and yeah <laughs> in big bold flashing letters oh, can you imagine like the letter from molly oh boy oh the howler you mean <laughs> yes now i don't think she'd blame harry i think she'd blame hermione for seducing him she would blame hermione yes yes and they go up to bed, and they can't sleep without each other. And even me, the Harry Hermione shipper, is here going, yes, with a spoon. <laughs> I just really? Thank God. Yep. We kind of converted yeah. them. E- even Sue? I have my limits. Sue, are you throwing up in the corner with us? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, Unanimous. <laughs> yeah. It, it, uh, well, you know, I and poor Ron... You know, he's got to put up with her sneaking in every night and, you know, supposedly waking him up, although he sleeps through the whole thing because he sleeps like a log. But well, he's sore so freaking loud. No one could probably hear anything, so that's fine. Right, yeah. They could be having sex in the next bed, and, and he'd never know. They don't even need the silencio charm because he's um, so loud he, he wouldn't hear anything anyhow. And I, I just think, I mean, this whole, like, I love you so much, like, you know, I would move the ends of the earth for you kind of, you know, description of characters getting together in fic is ridiculous because they're 15. Mm-hmm. They don't know what love is. I don't know I'm my head five. I still don't know what love is. I would, I didn't, you know, when I, when I was 15, I didn't know my head from my ass. I still don't. <laughs> but it, I, it's just, I, you figure this stuff out as you get older, and especially after you get out of school, mm-hmm. and you figure out what matters to you, and the whole, the big concept of, I love you, and we're going to spend the rest of our lives together, it's just ridiculous. It is. Yep. And then two weeks later, you break up on Facebook. And exactly. <laughs> so. And, so, you know, sending the message to teenagers, you know, everywhere that this is how life works is not okay. Mm-hmm. There's so much pressure to find your one true love, capitalized trademark, and it doesn't happen at that age. It just doesn't. I don't think, I mean, and the whole concept of a one true love is almost 
ridiculous because relationships take work and it takes sacrifice and it takes forgiving the person even though they annoy you when they do that one thing that they always do that you hate. Right. Oh, the one Um, true love. mm -hmm. Super soulmate powers activate. And that's why is there really going to be soulmate powers? No, no. 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 I'm sorry, Trisha. I wasn't sure if you were just saying goodnight and dropping off if I should call you back or not. So, oh, all of a sudden I'm hearing Cat go on this huge tangent, and then all of a sudden she's gone, and I'm like, "All right, I'm ready to cheer her on and everything," and it just <laughs> on me. No, we're basically uh, saying that the idea of finding the person you're meant to be with forever in high school is absurd. And well, I I wouldn't say absurd because. I will say that I know a lot of people who find their their spouse in high school. Okay. But I just, I object, A, that it happens so often in fan fiction, because in the real world, par- partially my, my sample size, is, my sample is skewed because I'm very Christian and a lot of my friends are Christian. And, you know, you, get mar- you tend to get married younger when you're Christian. So, you know, the population is kind of altered but you know the other thing is that it doesn't always happen it just sometimes happens but my Mm -hmm. other my my real point is that there's no such thing as a one true love that you know you might find the person that there's no like destined one person that's just for you you just find people who are compatible with you that you know you really like and you they think hey we're going to like be in a relationship and this relationship's going to take work and it's going to take sacrifice and it's not going to be easy but that's not how fan fiction often portrays what a relationship is Right. It's often whoever you're dating Hallelujah. when you finish your seventh year, that's who you get married to. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the one thing that I really love about canon is not everybody who was dating their, you know, whatever in, in their first, in their seventh year at Hogwarts or their sixth gets married to that person. In fact, almost everybody who took a date to the Yule Ball did not end up with that, with that date. It's awesome. Right. Oh, yeah. That's exactly it. Who did? I don't think anybody did. I don't think anybody did. Joe said nobody that went to the U-Ball together got together. Yay. If I remember correctly. Yay. Um, Okay, and that's the end of the chapter, and I think we're saying goodnight to Trisha. Yeah. Goodnight, Trisha. Goodnight, Trisha. Thank you you for throwing out with me over the fluffy, gross, romantic crap. No, you keep up. I missed you guys too. I'm glad the the, the marathon's passed over and now the new one's starting again, but that's not until October, so. Okay. Yeah, and well, we just have two is, podcasts left, so. Yeah, the rest yeah. of this and then a one shot, so. And if you're a yeah. one shot, you have to be here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Awful. I'm awful? Your timing is awful because uh, we're finishing up the season schedule right as you're available to podcast. I know. Well, I did most of it. It just, yeah, it just got to the point of all our baseball, me training, and you know, I, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I, I understand. I'm not faulting yeah. you at all. I'm just saying no. bad timing. I know. Well, you are more than welcome is- to come over to the Puffway Exchange with us. Oh, okay. That's. I'll, I'll try. I'll try that every once in a while. Yeah. It's just I just didn't want to podcast when Tammy was out. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably good. That we yeah. Don't podcast with Tammy. Yeah. Cat, changing yeah. the subject. 
Did you yes. watch the NCIS final last night? Well, I haven't watched NCIS since season the end of season six. Okay. So no, I have no clue what's going on. However, I will. I since we are turning this TV to TV, Death Row, I got spoiled on the castle of season uh, season finale by oh, my no. mother. By oh. my mother. <laughs> I was, I was, oh my god! Like we we had went to, we had gone to see the Avengers, and we were in this really loud re- restaurant, and you know I was you know my mom was like, "Have you seen Castle?" And I was like, and I shook my head. I remember shaking my head. So I, I'm confused whether you know she was on Bulgarian rules or something, but I yep. shook my head and I was like, "No, I stopped watching it right around the time of midterms." And then just like, oh, well, da, 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 and I won't tell you because I know you haven't caught up on that yet. Thank but, you. I but, see a lot of You know, stuff. but then I was just like, mom, why would you tell me? Like, I'm just like freaking out in the middle of the restaurant. She's like, I thought you said that, you know, you had seen it. I'm just like, shaking your head means no in this country. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. Good night, Trisha. Uh, Trisha, before you go, I wanted to ask you, based on what we've discussed so far tonight, what do you think about this, Vic? Are you curious? You want a nice answer or the real answer? <laughs> the real answer. <laughs> not really. It's not. It, I, for some reason, it, I'm just not really into it. It's okay. just, I mean, yeah. I think, I'm. like you said, it doesn't have like a true evil presence, I think that's what I need. I need more of a protagonist. Oh, well, the last chapters? Just jump mm-hmm. in and read the last chapters for next week, because that'll give you your evil. Okay. And then you go back and read the whole fic to figure out how we got there. Yeah. Okay, but Trisha reads the last chapter anyhow, so... Oh, yeah, I always that's read right, the last That's right, she chapter. does. Yeah. Well, no, I don't read the last chapter, I read the last page. Yeah, that's uh, it. Of every book. Okay. Well, I gotta know how it ends before I die. What if I accidentally die? And I'm not gonna know what the ending is. <laughs> Please don't die. <laughs> they have books in heaven. They have to. Yeah, or you wait. Just... In heaven, you wait till the author dies, and then you ask them. There you oh, go. Oh, there, 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 there are gonna be books in heaven. There has to be. There better be. It Mom. wouldn't be heaven without books. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Okay. okay, Trish. Good night. Good night. Good night, all. Chapter 56. 56. Hermione's in the library. Who'd have, got, who'd have guessed? <laughs> yeah. I started to say who'd have guessed and who'd have thought at the same time. It came out as got. Who'd have got? <laughs> who'd have got? Ron and Harry have gone flying, and Ginny is writing a letter to Seamus, and Hermione goes to the library, and there's no one else there. She's got the whole library to herself. It's awesome. She's just having well, a grand time. I had to say, like, I was going, "Are you completely stupid? Like, ser- like, you know who's, you know who's there. You know Draco Malfoy's there. You know he hates you. You're gonna be alone after Voldemort attacked the Jersey. Like, this is just does not make sense logically to me. Does not compute. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand her doing homework, but. Like, do homework in a populated area, for God's sake. Well, she just wants to look through the books and, and whatnot, so. Yeah. She, you know, it's a special treat. She's got the library to yeah. herself. Yeah. What and she thinks thing. she can take Draco. 
She does. She she doesn't really think he's a problem because so far, and once again, this is a year five story. So far, he's been a loudmouth prat. He's been a complete arse, but he hasn't really been threatening. Right. That's true. And this is Hermione, who a couple of years ago punched him right in the face. Mm-hmm. And he ran away, even though Crab and Goyle were right there. Right. I was like, don't tell anyone this ever happened. <laughs> and I, I love her her thoughts process here. Because she wanders to the library and she finds all these books that she wants to take back to the common room, you know, for light reading. And she's got so many that she can't get any more in her book bag and she's going to have to carry them because she won't shrink them. Because yes. somehow that does not make them right. She has a strange aversion to tampering with books. Mm -hmm. She knows intellectually it doesn't damage them, but a fixed muggle part of her clings to the heavy, solid mass of a book. And I just have to ask, how would she feel about an e-reader? I think she would have a hard time with it. I think she would, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and so I'm so sad. I broke my e-reader. Oh, how did you do that? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay, we won't go there. This, this, was, very... cat, this was an event of, that is simply entitled was Cat it, Being Cat. Was it catastrophic? Oh. Yes, it was catastrophic. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but it's broken now, and then I got very curious on how the e-reader works, because I'm very, you know, techified like that, and so I took apart the e-reader. Nice. That's very sad. Probably voids your warranty, but I know it was Oh, totally of- voids my warranty, but my warranty was voided anyway because it was two yeah. years old. It was out of warranty anyway, but yeah, I mean, maybe you can find the right part to replace or whatever. I just need the screen. Everything else is fine. Yeah. Call them up. Google. Tell them you need a new part number, blah, blah, blah. There you go. I, I will as soon as I need the little tiny screwdrivers that work for, you know, tech stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. I can, like, unscrew all the little, like, the battery and everything and, like, take everything apart and then... You know, because the screen is on the bottom. Of course yep. it is. So I have to take the screen out and then be like, I need the new screen, please. I bet I can buy it on eBay. I'm sure you can. Anyway, so I I don't know. I think Hermione, it would take getting used to having an e-reader, but I think she would, her back would thank her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like her her bag, you know, her bottom is, and they do have some weight to them. I mean, this, the one I'm holding in my hand right now. Has the weight of a good book. Hermione is left the library with her bag full and her arms loaded down. And she's heading down the hallway. And of course she runs into our favorite man, Draco Malfoy. Did someone say Draco Malfoy? You just waited for us to say that, didn't you? Yeah. I just happened to come back at a very good time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she drops her armload of books because, you know... Yeah, that's sacrilege. So, but I, I, I was confused on why, you know, when he has... When he has... or Well, I guess she, he snatches her wand yeah, pretty quickly. Holding on to the books. They exchange insults, and then she tries to push past him. He snatches the wand out of her, bad pocket, her back pocket, which is a bad place to keep it. Moody would be very ashamed of her. He would. Bad Hermione. No biscuits. Only at that moment... Does she drop the books? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would have dropped him the moment he showed up. Oh, me dropped too. him on his foot. I would have, like, dropped the books, then taken my wand and, like, used the books to attack him. Yeah. But, like you said, she wasn't afraid of him at, the, at, at that point. She He's always just been bluster. 
Mm-hmm. And now he stepped it up a notch. And now she's starting to get afraid. She wasn't afraid until he took the wand. Just punch him in the face. Mm-hmm. And while he's clutching at his nose and bleeding, you take your wand back and his. Mm-hmm. Just remember to sing. Just Solar plexus, in step, nose, groin. That's all you have to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. If a man can't <laughs> see, he can't fight. And there's all well. There's also the fact that Draco, you know, being holier than thou about Muggle fighting, knows nothing about defense. Mm-hmm. So you know, I've been I've said for a long time, a wand only has a certain efficacy of you know being effective in a fight. If you get right up in the person's face, a wand's gonna do nothing. Yeah, toe to toe. It's nothing. You can knock it's, the wand aside before yeah. they finish speaking oh, the curse. Oh yeah, like. You know, get you know if you're in a fight with somebody with a wand like magic, we're real, <laughs> and you're wandless. You should just get right up in their face, and then you know they have no clue how to handle themselves. Especially a pure blood. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, and then if she knees him in the groin, you know he's going to be in pain, but he's also going to be worried about the family jewels because you know he's a pure blood, <laughs> and those are important to him. Right. So, but and it's total self-defense because he cornered her and took her wand. Right. And yeah, he's being his loathsome, loathsome self, and she's you know. Oh. Mm-hmm. Speaking of scared out of your mind, thank you, dog, for making me jump. <laughs> There's great description here, with the look in Draco's eyes, a newly cautious part of her tucked into the back of her mind. Feared it might come to violence shortly, despite Draco's track record of being little more than a big mouth. That kernel of doubt in her thoughts made her look closer where a week ago she would have brushed past with a closed expression. There were small details that brought her up short. She'd never seen Draco quite so purposeful. He was often vile and cruel, but he was also a great deal of talk. Draco Malfoy was... (laughs) Draco Malfoy. Through this whole paragraph, Draco, 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 Draco Malfoy was counted one of the lesser concerns at Hogwarts because he'd sooner make a lot of noise than get physical. He thrived on the power of intimidation, but something in the way he was standing before her, his face set and dark. She almost believed he was hoping to go past mouthing off this time. And she shows herself to be a true Gryffindor because she rises to the bait. Well, yeah, she would. What would happen if he, or if she let him intimidate her or let him think that she was intimidated? Do you think he would have been satisfied with that and moved on? No, because I think that he's doing this for an ulterior motive. He's doing this to get Harry to come after him. And, you know, now all I can think of is Black Widow, because Black Widow's, like, biggest thing is when she's interrogating somebody, she always lets them think, like, the person that she's interrogating think that they win, because then the person gives up, you know, what she's trying to find out. So... You know, if if Hermione stopped acting so, you know, bold and brave and, and became this very... And Gryffindorish. You know, and Gryffindorish and became this very, like, submissive, kind of withering girl that Playing cried. into Draco's expectations mm-hmm. of mudbloods. Right. right. You know, I think she could fairly easily get her wand back in a couple, you know land a couple of punches and just get her wand back. And then it's just like, oh, well, you know, you're no big deal. Mm-hmm. You're all taught. And then, you know, Malfoy would feel ashamed because he was taken advantage of by a Muggleborn. Oh, yeah. 
And that's, like, worse than anything for him. Right. Instead, she takes the bait and... Yeah, she rises and tries to shove past him. He takes the wand and then things have escalated. And then Draco just goes straight off the deep end. He thinks she's dirty, filthy, mud blood, and yet he's contemplating having sex with her. Yeah, well, I don't know that I would say it that way. He's contemplating rape. Raping her, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. But just, really, Draco, you're going to stick your cock in that? Mm-hmm. Won't it shrivel up and fall off from contamination or something? Well, just, I... if he wears one of those little willy slickers, it oh. will <laughs> Well, well, I mean, I didn't take it as necessarily him, but no, like he was thinking about the yeah, well, well, he's saying the Death Eaters. He started off thinking about the Death Eaters, and then he kind of went, "Ooh, wait, maybe this would be fun," and I yeah. think he kind of started in too. Well, I mean, I think he was thinking about gang rape. I think he would he he would have like participated, but I I think you know he was starting, which is you know a horrible thing to say to somebody. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but we know that that's kind of him. And, and then, you know, because, you know, Hermione's just completely, utterly panicking, and then Draco starts to look scared and panicked, and OMG, and Hermione turns around, and there's Harry. Yeah. In his panther form. Yeah. Not even there, just in the middle of lunging at Draco. Yeah, yeah, it's just, I mean... You can tell that Harry went looking for Hermione and overheard, you know, Draco say, spread your legs. And it's just like, it's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Harry is there coming to the rescue in his animagus form, tackles Draco, clawing him, doing his very best to kill him. Oh, he wants to kill him so bad. And, yeah, but- you know, I, I think this is one of the moments where... Harry isn't even really there. Yeah. No, it's the What I don't get, though, is why he's putting his claws in Draco's upper arms. Why not just go for the throat? He's a freaking panther. Mm -hmm. I think he would have gone for the throat in real life. Well, I think, but he's got his claws in his arms. I think he wanted to go for the throat with his teeth. And that's where he was heading when Dumbledore stopped him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Tossed him aside like a misbehaving kitten. Oh, and he snarls and spits. He doesn't like that at all. Uh Uh-uh. And I'm not sure what I thought was going to happen here, but I figured that Harry's raw emotion here was going to trigger another one of those episodes like we saw with the shattering glass windows Mm -hmm. and that it would break this spell on him. Yeah. But it doesn't happen. And Dumbledore takes Draco to the hospital wing. Hermione races to her wand where Draco had dropped it when he was tackled and closed her fingers around the wood. But no sooner had she done so than Dumbledore whirled on her. Miss Granger, he bellowed. The first and only time Dumbledore has ever yelled. Right. He uh, says, says, don't don't do anything with him. You stay just there until I get back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she's trying to console Harry and calm him down and it's not really working. No. So Dumbledore returns and levitates Harry and they go to an unused classroom. There's a lot of those in the castle. You ever mm-hmm. notice that? Uh, there's and, always a few. And gives him something to destroy. Well, he needs to. Mm-hmm. And then he finally stops destroying things and Hermione steps in, calms him down and he changes back 
and they take the long march mm-hmm. through every single corridor of the castle up to Dumbledore's office. Yeah, takes him four hours later. They're there. Mm-hmm. And we go into chapter 57. And the walk to the headmaster's tower was a tensely quiet one. <laughs> and they sit and discuss what's going on here. And Hermione uh, is having her, we could be expelled moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Did you say 57 or 58? We're on 57. We're moving into 57. Um, I accidentally touched this and, and I went all the way back to the first chapter. Oh, geez. So I'm trying desperately to find where we are on here. Okay. Yeah, just do a search for 57 and you'll go right to the chapter. I don't know how to do that on air. Oh, that's right. You're on the e-reader. So, <laughs> but I'm um, on 58, so I should be able to find 57 fairly easy. So there's oh, just there this go. whole okay, there. discussion about what's happened and how it's bad that Draco now knows that Harry's an animagus and what are we going to mm-hmm. do about it. And, well, we're going to memory charm him, and but if we're memory charming him, we can't punish him. Because right, which is true. It, it's very true, and the price of not punishing Draco is that... Harry gets uh, away with a warning. Yeah. Yep. He is not going to be punished either. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, And we discover why Dumbledore came upon the scene. It's because the suits of armor passed the word. Right. And not, in fact, because the hat says so. <laughs> I kind of like very that, like, convenient timing. The suits of armor are sentient to some degree, and can pass the word to the headmaster when they need to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Evidently, there's a suit of armor in the library because he was coming to deal with the Draco Hermione situation. Right. right. Yeah, that's where he was going, and then mm-hmm. he got there just in time to save Draco's life. Yep. So Harry's prevented from killing Draco, Draco's bleeding, and this is just very reminiscent of the bathroom scene in Half-Blood Prince. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I thought was a nice. Which I well I I think I mean this is slightly different to the fact that Draco never actually. I always felt that was a weird scene in canon because Draco started to say Crucio, which is evidence that you know he was trying to you know do something that would get him landed in Azkaban to Harry, yes. and Harry very much defended himself. Yeah, and he got in massive trouble for it. Snape refused to listen that he was casting Crucio. Right. Right. I mean, he could have appealed to the, you know, headmaster and that would have been cleared up. But this was, Draco was verbally assaulting Hermione, so Harry tries to physically kill Draco. But he wasn't just verbally assaulting her. He was moving in to do something else. He had had her at one point. I don't know. This was active, not passive. What he was saying to her, and he was moving toward her with intent. And even um, Harry says to to do what we don't know, but it's some sort of intent. Yeah, I just think it's slightly different. Harry says he was going to hurt her, and Dumbledore says, "Yes, I'm afraid he was." So he, I mean, which is such a change from Dumbledore saying, "Oh no, he's just a boy." No, 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 no. Everyone deserves a second chance, Harry. Don't you know that? Yeah. And, and there's no excuse, and you can rest assured he would have been severely punished. And Harry's like, "What a bed!" But and that's when we find out about this. And and Dumbledore says, "His dad is, you know, one of the Death Eaters. They want you expelled from school. He's doing this to provoke you." We can't let that happen. Right. So we're going to memory charm him. Mm-hmm. And evidently the way memory charms work here is that you can't 
alter powerful memories because otherwise they would have changed his memory to just erase the Animagus thing. Mm-hmm. And it could have, they could have replaced it with Dumbledore arrived to yeah. throw him off of Hermione and throw him into a cabinet like Gambon would. And so, but Draco is going to have these scars, although that doesn't really make much sense either. And I never understood ex- where there are scars from magical wounds. Because the hat says so. Yeah, sounds good to me. So, I love the, they, they their thing. complicated story that a rogue hippogriff has attacked Draco, and that's what happened to him. So mm-hmm. they're going to com- erase the whole thing, implant this completely false memory into him, and the idea that Buckbeak is still roaming around the Forbidden Forest waiting to <laughs> waylay Draco Malfoy is just awesome. He yeah. got a taste and he wants the rest. But, he does. But Draco will believe this because Draco's scared to death of him. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a grand plan. That's great. So, so, yeah. And then Dumbledore wants to know about how they became animated. Mm-hmm. And then the whole thing with Kimmy comes out and it's very odd that they're both big cats. And I love how he just assumes that Hermione is too because he's right. And... <laughs> Um, it's because they tokened off of each other that they beat the odds and they're both big cats and mm-hmm. Dumbledore's amazed that they did the transformation in less than a year. Go so, ahead. oh, you must have had help. Kimmy! Kimmy, come forward! Kimmy! And the discussion of names comes up and we find out that Dumbledore's animagus name is Duffgruff. Yes. Which is another reason he does not change into his goat form ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is another thing that I didn't like because Hermione and Harry got awesome names. Sage Hunter and Knight. And Kimmy, Kimmy names him, which I thought yes. was really kind of a neat little Which is cute. Thing. That's my last note on this chapter. It's just a lot of yammer yammer talk. Yeah, pretty much. I think Hit the highlights here. Um, they discuss the personality change. They discuss the concept of touching the jaguar. And Dumbledore's jaw drops, because yeah. apparently no one can do this. No nope. one else can do this, yeah. And mm-hmm. he wants Harry to demonstrate, and they say, well, we found that animals tend to react when I do this. And so they use so fox they use as the guinea phoenix. As, yeah, the guinea, guinea phoenix. I like that. And they explain about the zoo and what happened with the lions there. And we discuss that Harry and Hermione are now weapons themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, just their physical bodies in this other form is a weapon, and they don't need their wands to kill. So, so I would argue that, you know... With great power comes great responsibility. No, I would argue that with, you know, Dumbledore being obsessed with all things muggle, that he would know that anybody is a weapon, with or without a wand. That's true. Anybody can be a weapon. Yep. And he says, I have quite a bit of work to do tying up loose ends here. Uh, That's my business. You two are free to go. (laughs) So So they go and explain. I guess they don't do that yet. Yeah, we're in chapter 58 now. And they get back to the common room and Ron and Ginny are there. And we basically just rehash the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. I like Ron. Where'd you go, mate? You were supposed to go to the bathroom, and then you you never came back. What the... Did you go snogging with Hermione? (laughs) No, I tried to kill Draco Malfoy. Oh, okay. I had to say, 
it was okay the way they reiterated this, but I really don't like when authors recycle material. Yeah. As I filler. Did, I did like that we get to see a bit of reaction, and now that they're not being confronted with an authority figure, Harry is realized that, yeah, this this was bad. This could have been very, very, very bad. Mm. So that aspect I did care for, but it's literally a line by line restatement of what we saw happen. So I, uh, I understand why the author did it. I just don't really ever like, you know, when an author does that, because it's just like, I am bored. I'm scanning now. I don't care. Like I want, you know, Mm. something original because Of course they're going to discuss it afterwards. You can say that in one sentence and move on. The only things that are of note here is that they're telling Ginny about the Animagi. Yes. And Ron ejaculates when Harry tells him that Ian and Ginny nearly killed Draco. So that was just the note. Uh, And I say they rehash everything we just read. And Harry pulls Hermione to the side and he wants to know what Draco said. And then, for whatever reason, they start getting frisky. Uh, I don't know how that goes from one to the other. And great quote. Harry's hand on her waist moved up and cupped her breast. Harry, Hermione breathed. Ron and Ginny, Harry grunted. I don't fancy making this a team sport. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. You know why they started getting frisky? Because they have hormones. And they're losing hormones right now because they're teenagers. Yeah, yeah, well, she's just told him, Draco said he and the Death Eaters were going to rape me. Mmm, come here and kiss me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's in Congress. She didn't guess, tell him. She's not going to tell him yet. No. Uh, I thought Harry heard it, though. No, I don't think he quite heard everything. He just knew that what that there was intent. Okay. And he doesn't know exactly what was said. And then... I think the reason they started getting frisky was it was her way of distracting him from asking her questions. Ah, there you go. Okay, and then they're in the middle of a fairly good snog, and Ron interrupts, and he's not even there. No, he's not there, but he does interrupt. Shouting and yelling and creating a commotion, and Ginny <laughs> says, you know, leave, leave them alone, you're going to disturb them. They're just talking, they're snogging. No, they're just talking! Ron is in yeah. utter denial. He's in total yeah. denial. But it, it's so much more of a, like, I don't want to think of my sister doing that, like, to my brother kind of way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, that's kind of bad anyway, incest. But uh, <laughs> but not in, not in like, the, the biological way, but in the fact that Ron is now officially, like, settled into his fact that he thinks of Harry as his brother. And probably always has, but just was a dick about it, you know, in year mm-hmm. four. And he's starting to think of Hermione as his sister. Yeah. Right. And that's about it. We move into chapter 59. Do we want to stop there? Quite short. I don't know. Okay. Uh, This Uh, is the one that I have notes on, so. Okay. I'd like to cover it. Then, because at the end of 59 is a pretty good cliffhanger. All right. Works for me. So. Now they're dreaming. Yeah, they're dreaming cat dreams, and Harry thinks he hears Sirius. They wake up, and Harry's wondering what it was. Quote, maybe it was just a dream, Harry murmured in distraction. I do have normal dreams now and then, which is awesome, (laughs) because nobody ever writes Harry having a normal dream. It's always Voldemort. Always. So I like that it's a normal dream. 
even if it is an animal dream. And I like that he doesn't know if it's a normal dream. Yeah. Right. And they sit down and they analyze it, and he's like, well, I'm not sweating and shaking from cold at the same time. Uh, I'm not clammy. I don't want to throw up. I don't think it was a Voldemort dream. Yeah. Did it sound like Voldemort's voice? No, it kind of sounded like serious. Yeah, no, not really. And I'm worried about him, so maybe it's my subconscious, and uh, which is uh, it's a great conversation, and it just pokes at the fandom so much, mm-hmm. which makes me giggle. Having read as many fixes as I have, and I know Cat was the same way, right? Yeah, they uh, decide to go for a walk. Yeah, but the dream is bothering him, so. They talk about it a little more, and they talk about how Hermione has nightmares, too. Mm-hmm. I just ask, well, uh, not me. They discuss how is she going to cope when she can't sneak into his bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Ron's one thing, but they're not going to be able to sneak in past all the rest of the boys, too. I mean, Neville probably wouldn't care, but Demas and Shane are going to make a big deal out of it. Demas and Shane, huh? Yes, yes. Okay. It's like Gredden Forge. It's like Gredden Forge. I, I like this. She says, you know, I'm actually not looking forward to term starting again. And and he says, um, Hermione Granger not looking forward to classes? What manner of poly juice guzzling imposter are you? And what have you done with Mimeone? And she kind of giggles. Okay, I'm looking forward to term. I just don't want... I'm looking forward to classes, but not term. And that's when she says... Because I can't sneak back up into your room anymore. Then they decide that they're going to go out. They're uh, talking about convincing Minerva to look the other way so that she can just move into the boys' boys dorm. Yeah, Yeah, so... And there's more mushy talk, which Kat doesn't care about, and Trisha's vomiting over, so Mm -hmm. we'll skip it. And we get to the end of the chapter, and we see a bird flapping its way toward the castle and it's way too big it's an eagle and yeah, it doesn't have injured a profile to be an owl right and harry just suddenly realizes that it's shylock which mm-hmm. is aberforth dumbledore and he's wounded and just he knows with certainty that sirius is in trouble right yep and, and the, he's kind of had that feeling ever since the dream so right and this is just really confirmation helped. of it mm-hmm. And they, (laughs) this is great. Sirius is in trouble, Harry said with certainty, his heart racing. Come on. He took Hermione's hand and dragged her towards the castle. Where are we going, she asked as she hurried to match his pace. To talk to Dumbledore, either one. Oh my gosh. I know, right? (laughs) I approve. I so approve. I'm so tired of Harry just going off half-cocked. Harry has finally learned that he needs to go talk to adults every now and again. Yay. Oh, this is a wonderful something. fic. Woo-hoo. Such a wonderful fic. <laughs> and Yay. that's the cliffhanger at the end of this chapter. So, Yep. Aberforth is hurt, and we don't know where Sirius is, and yeah. Yep. All right. So, yeah. And that does it for tonight. Um, thoughts? You know, I it's great. I'm loving the... I. Well, the Draco scene and Harry ripping off his arms, you know, I just I kind of wish he'd gone a little further, but, you know, it's a good thing Dumbledore saved him. And then explaining everything to Dumbledore, I, that's just, you know, he needed to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it was about time for him to learn all of this stuff. Yeah. 
I, I'm really looking forward to the end of this so we find out what exactly happens. We find out what happens to Sirius and everybody and get some sort of resolve. I first read to the end of it today so I know exactly what happens, but I will sit on my hands and not say. Cat? Cat? Well, I finished this fic today because I didn't want to stop at 58. <laughs> Mainly because, you know, the the top six favorite... Well, the top six favorite characters of my life, like, one of them is in danger, I must read on. But it, I, this set of chapters, a little mushy for my taste, but generally interesting. And I like that Harry is growing as a person because of Hermione's influence. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that he's, you know, still a bit of an idiot when, you know, times get hard, when Hermione's in danger, you know, all logic, you know, flies in the wind as far as he's concerned, and he's gonna, you know, attack Draco Malfoy because that's varying char- character, mm-hmm. and, I, you know, I think this author is very, does a very accurate portrayal of book canon characters, which is interesting because she uses movie canon. Mm-hmm. Where you know Ron is his own trope, and you know Ron in in the movies is very flanderized, and Ginny isn't in it at all. And I think it's very it's great that you know she's using the movies for some details that she really likes out of the movies, but you can definitely see the book's influences on it. And yeah, I mean I I'm not you know a shipper. So the whole mushy Harry Hermione, I love you, I love you, I want to get married kind of a thing, it just uh, completely <laughs> misses me. Just I, I, I still really enjoy the p- core plot of this story. Right. It's a good one. I uh, started a reread of this fic a couple of months ago, but I didn't get all the way through before we started doing the podcast, so I... I'm a little fuzzy on the ending. I have read the story before, but didn't finish on my reread. So it's going to be exciting for next week to read the last chapters and refresh myself onto how this all ends. Looking forward to it. I lo- oh, I have issues with the ending. <laughs> I like these chapters. I have issues with the ending. You got to wait till next week. We yep. will discuss them next ow, week. Ow, ow, ow. All right. Are you okay. What? Yeah. Careful. Claws in my hand, no problem. Oh, you're like Draco Malfoy. Yes, yes, or very wrong. much like. Except you're not bleeding to death. I and hope not. Need to be <laughs> memory charmed. He's more like Ron, death. Yeah, very true, very true. So, I am enjoying myself. These chapters, like Kat said, were a little mushy in places, and it lost me on the marriage proposal and and some of the smaller details. But on the whole, I really enjoy the story. I'm glad that everyone else is enjoying a Harry Hermione story. That makes me so happy. You don't even know. It's very gratifying. And I really just love the characterization of everybody Mm -hmm. because I see the canon characters here so vividly. And it's not like a lot of the Harmony stuff that I've read where Ginny's character is distorted. Ron's character is distorted. Or both of them is distorted, and you just have to twist the cannon into so many different directions to supposedly make this work, when you don't need to do that. It works on its own. Right. And I think Misanthropic has done a very, very good job of portraying the development of the relationship for all the right reasons, and has managed to give 
character growth to everyone, especially Harry, but particularly Ron. And I've talked in the previous podcast about that, and it's one of the reasons I love the story so much is because he's portrayed well. He He's growing up, and it's hard for him, but mm-hmm. he he's, he knows that he needs to grow up, and he's trying. And he doesn't have to succeed, but he's trying, right. and that matters. That really counts for something. It's true. Really, in these chapters, the only characters we had were Harry, Hermione, Ron, Ginny, and Dumbledore. We didn't get a lot from any other characters. And there was a lot of rehashing of scenes and conversations, which got a little grating at times, especially given how the chapters are so short. So it it, it doesn't feel like we covered a lot tonight, but we did. We had, we had a lot of good yeah. discussions. So yeah, I'm looking forward to going into next week and resolving the cliffhanger that we have, finishing off the fic, and... Wrap, wrapping up season five of Potterfic Weekly very soon. I will say that she could have added more depth to some of her, you know, background characters and not, you know, fall into the tropes, but I understand why. Like the whole, you know, Draco Malfoy is an, e- is an evil git, you know, who says things like, my father will hear about this. Mm-hmm. But that's Draco. It but- is Draco. Even in sixth year, he's talking about his. So that's not your Draco. There, I, what I'm saying is, there's more to him than that. Yeah, but we don't necessarily get a chance to see it because Draco's the bad guy. Yeah, he's the enemy, and you're only going to see him when they're in a confrontational mode. But I think. Why we is saw... that? Why is that okay? Why is the bad guy not a deep character? Everyone he is. does. We're just Everyone... not seeing it. We got to yeah. see Draco when they took Polyjuice Potion and, and infiltrated Slytherin Common Room. I guess. And he was just as mouthy and obnoxious there. But he was 12 <laughs> at the time, so I, I forgive him a little bit. Okay. Just a little. Just and I would like to see some scenes of they encounter draco but he doesn't see them so they overhear him talking and it i would like those scenes to be more than just i hate potter i hate granger i hate weasley i hope they all die in the dark lord is triumphant because that's all you ever see when they're overhearing him yeah. and it was that way on the train in half-blood prince right same thing so we we never get to see anything other than the bad side of draco which is a shame he's a very one-dimensional character mm-hmm and Kat hates him. Yes, she I do. Does. I really, I really do hate. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on my hands and not saying a thing because mm, the things that I would do to Draco Malfoy if I could. Other people have said that statement, but not in the way you mean. <laughs> yeah, it's not Draco and leather that she's interested in. No, not at no, all. No, I, I am more interested in the Draco who is doused in gasoline and. I have a match. Oh, yeah. Let's not go there. I'm sorry. I mean, I know P.S. was complaining on... I know I talked about this last week, but I know P.S. was talking about on The Good Fic about how you can't hit a character, but I do. It's, it's you know, as a... I have two minds of this, and as a writer, I, you know, can totally write my character not hating him, and I can get in that mindset, but, you know... J.K. Rowling has said he represents every person who is, or Slytherin House in Harry Potter has represented every person who is who bullied her at school ever. 
And, you know, when you're bullied in school and you, you know, you read the Harry Potter books because you have no friends, like, you tend to really hate those characters. (laughs) It's true. It is. I understand. And on that note, we're going to say goodnight, everybody. We'll see you next time. Goodnight. Good night, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.